0: Welcome to another episode of Deer Bear Book Club. I'm Kirsty, and I'm Nikki. Yay! Here we are. We're doing it.
1: <laughs> How's it going, Kirsty? Oh, not bad. I'm on like my spring break from work, which is pretty nice. Been pretty mm-hmm. chill.
0: That is nice.
1: I should have been doing a lot more podcast homework. But I decided, well, I suppose it might be podcast homework, but I decided to listen to all of the audiobooks of Bridgerton, um, which I think has been a very effective and relaxing use of my time.
0: Um, (laughs) Ooh, relaxing.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Um, Definitely a lot of, like, awkward glances across the room being like, does my husband know exactly what I'm listening to right now? Because <laughs> I'm listening to somebody being ravished oh. um, in a drawing room. Oh but, my. Yeah.
0: Well, the new season comes out soon.
1: On yeah. Friday.
0: <gasps> Alrighty. Yep.
1: Yeah. Oh this God. Friday. Which won't be when this is released. It'll be out for a week-ish. Oh, right, 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 Yeah.
0: yeah. Well... That's good, because this weekend I decided that I'm not doing anything. Like, it's going to be a nothing That's a good plan. Because it's just been so crazy. Yep. And I decided that I don't want to do it anymore. At least for one weekend.
1: Yeah, so... I remember in the fall, there was, like, four or five weekends in a row where we had, like, mm. stuff on. But we wanted to fill it, because we knew you guys were moving, and... I remember just, like, the first weekend that you guys were going, I was like, I I want to do nothing. I want Mm -hmm. to do nothing this weekend. I don't want to see anybody. I don't want to do anything with anybody. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I don't, I just don't want to talk to people. Like, I have to Mm -hmm. talk to people for a living. I hate it. (laughs) Yeah. And it's, it's so funny because Evan is such a, like, extrovert that he, like, and he sits in an office all day and doesn't talk to anybody everybody in his office is like an extrovert he's had he's had to teach them how to like interact he works he works in it so he's like he's had to teach them how to interact with people it sounds like i'm only getting his side of the story obviously Mm -hmm. but i'm like they probably hate you (laughs) yeah they're probably like god this annoying guy at work just like (laughs) won't stop talking to me like Cause I'm like if that was me and I got to just sit in an office and not talk to anybody I wouldn't talk to anybody it would be the yeah. best
1: and you know what I would say yes to that and like I'm definitely like introverted and don't want to talk to people but I think I'm kind of like an extroverted introvert but mm-hmm. um I do need a little bit of social contact yeah so like this um like work term because of like the extra like variants and stuff um they didn't want us having lunch or breaks together so I've been sitting at my own desk having my lunch instead of like we'd go into a boardroom and have lunch together and the last the second last day before term ended um they announced that they were taking the mask mandate off like the next day um so at work we were like oh my god we're gonna eat lunch together tomorrow um and it was so Aww. exciting to like have that like one day where we went and had lunch i was like i feel like i haven't seen you guys in forever and then i was like telling them stuff and they were like wait you haven't told any of this this stuff and i'm like well no because i haven't seen you um to like tell you all of like the random tidbits of my life yeah um yeah see that's what i'm
0: wonder- like cuz i've been tr- like probably shouldn't say this out loud on this podcast that we put out into the world but uh what's the worst that can happen i've been trying to find another job for a long time yeah and like something like officey
1: but i feel once you make like office like friends and things like that then you would like be having lunch with other people and stuff like that there is kind of like that
0: yeah 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 i'm just wondering like i don't think i will miss it because i hate it so much (laughs) yeah but like, there was a point in my life when I did enjoy like sales. Like I yeah. loved being I loved being a bridal consultant. Mm-hmm. That's that's a significantly different. It's like kind a different of...
1: like genre within
0: Re- yeah, the fashion
1: yeah. retail world.
0: And it was it's like still a lot of work and like a lot of heavy lifting a lot of the time and you're on your you're still on your feet like for eight hours a day. But, like, I did enjoy that part, although it is very emotionally draining, even more than this one, like, a job, like, in in mm-hmm. retail, because you're, like, part of the happiest day of somebody's life, like, every hour for eight hours. Yeah. And you have to, like, go into the next appointment, like, with the same energy that you had for the first appointment. Yeah so it can be very exhausting like
1: and you can thrive off of that too at times but i definitely definitely. feel like the older i get the more i'm like i need to reserve some of that like emotional toll that i can for my job for my own life um yeah yeah
0: yeah so that it's it's exhausting in a different way yeah but also in a lot of the same ways but yeah, it's so. I wonder if I would miss it having like be like be having done it for so long and having once at one time enjoyed it. I can't even. Who is that girl who enjoyed it? Yeah, it's like I don't know her. I don't know her anymore. Um, yeah, a whole
1: lifetimes happened.
0: Yeah. So. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> um. Well, I have some stuff to talk about. Okay, so um, I don't know if maybe I'm just late to the party, which is possible. I'm I'm late to a lot of parties.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: But have you heard of these giveaways that Goodreads does?
1: Okay, no. Well, yes and no. (laughs) So I think it was because I saw that you had entered giveaways.
0: Does it? Does it through the feed
1: thing? I think I'd seen that somebody had entered a giveaway. But now I get emails about, like, this yeah. is a giveaway that you'd be interested in. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not very good at remembering because it doesn't work through my phone properly. So I'm not very good not at remembering really. to, like, log on. I think it's just I've never logged into Goodreads through, like, the browser on my phone. I've only logged in through the app or on my computer. So I need to remember to, like, log on to my computer and do it. Just because, I sometimes I just can't be arsed logging in. And hmm. I always places. do
0: it on my phone.
1: Yeah, I don't know, but yeah, it's a cool thing, and you can just like randomly, like for books that you may be interested in, enter giveaways for them, which mm-hmm. is pretty sweet.
0: Well, I literally like if I'm bored or and I can't fall asleep, I'll just like scroll through the new ones, mm-hmm. and just enter the ones that I like. Um, but like recently, they haven't sending me emails because when you enter a giveaway it automatically adds that book to, like, your bookshelf.
1: Oh, I don't like, think your I knew want that. Your but want that makes sense. Read, yeah. I
0: think. Yeah, yeah. Which is fine. Whatever. Um, I've, I haven't won one yet, but, with, like, wouldn't it be sweet?
1: Yeah. And they, so, they give
0: away, like, a few per giveaway. It's like yeah. multiple people can win.
1: So, that, yeah. So, if Bridgerton is listening right now, I saw <laughs> that they gave a pretty sweet package to somebody on the internet oh yeah 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 it was like for the tv show being released if anybody is listening to this that has any links to Bridgerton, please please i would love one all of the stuff looked so cool and it was like a box that was like as if it was from lady whistledown you got stickers you got like some cool little things and i was just like almost sobbing that i couldn't have it in my life um okay netflix
0: hit us up, we would definitely advertise for you.
1: 100%.
0: (laughs) Just so that Kirsty could get a Bridgerton box.
1: Yeah, and if I can be in a room with Jonathan Bailey, that would be great. Thank you.
0: Well, I know that they're doing, like, I think, where did I see it? It was, like, Netflix's book club or something like that? Ooh. And I think that, what's her name? The girl from... The girl from *Orange Is the New Black*. Her name's like Uzo Aduba oh, or yep. something, something like that. Um, yeah, I think I saw I vi- I didn't watch the video, but I like was you know scrolling through Instagram or something like that, and I saw like I went past a reel that was like something to do with Netflix's book club. Yep. And I think they just do books that they are like adapting or whatever, but.
1: Yeah, yeah. Which on that n- news, um, I had seen. I think it must have came out last year. Um, the book "Where the Crawdads Sing" mm. by uh, Delia yeah. Owens, and I saw the trailer. There's a yes! T Swift song in it. Daisy Edgar Jones is like the star I'm of it, today. who I love. Um, yeah, I think the trailer only came out today. Um. With the song and stuff, um, it looks so good. I haven't actually read the book yet. It was one that um, when we were heading back east for the holidays. Um, see, when you're in the airport, if people then like take books back to like the the bookstore, you can buy them for cheap. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, if you buy one from the airport, if you're like a frequent flyer um, and you buy books at the airport all the time, if you then like return it to the airport bookstore. They'll like buy it back from you so you get like a discount, but then they'll sell the book on to somebody else for like five dollars.
0: Oh, they like buy so it back from you, but like they for buy less... it back from
1: you and like give you like a coupon, I think, so you get like um so you get money off the next book and then they resell the book again but cheaper. Um something like that. So it's like a kinda like a buyback scheme situation. Like my dream. It's pretty great. I've never like given books, but I also find it really hard to like part with books Mm. so um but i bought this one because i was like well the book it looks like it's a brand new book um just with like a little crinkle in the corner and i was like that looks like a brand new book i would i want to read this book and i have for a while i'll buy it for five bucks um i didn't need another book i had three books in my backpack but um whatever (laughs) and did i read any of them over the break nope um so yeah but yeah, it was pretty exciting to see that today. I've had I've had several
0: well, oh, I don't know. I w would, I wouldn't maybe I wouldn't say several people, but like people have definitely recommended it to me. And I just like I don't know. Like I read the description of it and I was like not that interested, but apparently everybody thinks it's amazing. So
1: Yeah. And I don't know. I was like, it, I think I'd been interested in reading it, but now that I've seen the trailer for the movie, I'm like, oh, I want to read this before I see the movie, um, just so that I can have like some sort of comparison. Yeah, um, no, I don't. I that's always interesting. I always do that.
0: I will not view the film or TV series until I've read the book. Usually.
1: Yeah. No. I. I don't adhere <laughs> to that at all. Except- I also don't care if I think that are spoiled. We've been sitting watching movies, and I've like looked up what happened at the end of the movie before. Uh, no, um, I. The end of the movie.
0: Well, I always, I always yell out my guesses though.
1: <laughs> oh, you when, do, and it's brilliant. We're
0: watching movies, <laughs> so that probably ruins so, it for everybody else. But I'm yeah. having fun.
1: <laughs> last year, um, just as a, like a personal side note, last year when um, British Columbia was in lockdown for a very long time um like because me and nikki are friends out with the podcast we're friends we with our (laughs) with our partners and our good friend jordan we um started watching some different like tv series so we watched all of the office online together and then we were like okay because me and my husband had never seen the whole thing of the office so we were like okay we want to show you guys downton abbey and we actually ended up keeping like a note on Joseph's phone of all of the guesses that Nikki had because some of them she was like, well, this person's going to die. And it was like, how <laughs> the hell does she know that? Because like, if anybody who's watched Downton Abbey, some of them are very like, all of a sudden somebody dies or somebody leaves the show or something happens and it's very sudden. And Nikki was just like <laughs> nailing them on the head. And we were like, how is she doing this? Um, It was actually really spooky, and it happened more than, I would say, like, five times that you, like, guessed something. It was pretty impressive. Um, Yeah.
0: What can I say? I watch a lot of TV.
1: (laughs) It was really good, though.
0: Yeah, so that, so the Good giveaway, I wanted to give a shout-out to that, so that if you want to... Get some free books. Who doesn't love free books? Um, and then also, I found this Instagram account um, on our Instagram, actually. I think we were... How did I find them? I, I don't remember. Did they like one of ours? Our Instagrams, and that's how I found them? Anyway, I can't remember how I, how I ended up finding them. But it an Instagram account called Books to Booze.
2: Ooh. And
0: they, she I, I think it's she 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 reads a book And then like I don't know if she makes up the cocktails I don't know if she's a, a bartender or what But um, She'll like read a book, like kind of review it And then like give a cocktail Based on the book
1: That seems very uh, fun yeah, and very cool And
0: I wish I would have known Because she Did like be- uh, Beautiful World like around the time that we oh. did, it. and it would have been it would have been fun to have like that cocktail while we were yeah, doing the definitely the book. But
1: well, we can keep an eye out for some of the cocktails, and maybe we'll do. Yeah, one. well, she
0: follows us now, and we follow her. So I've been you should give her a follow because it's really fun and cute. And I, she just did Daisy Jones also. So oh, she's sweet. reading really good books. So it'd be cool to yeah. see like what cocktails she. um i think she already did daisy jones i can't remember what it was but it was
1: like, we could maybe have her
2: on yeah, sometime that would be too. super would be fun nice.
0: books taboos on instagram yeah. you should reach out to us if you ever feel like being on an mm-hmm. episode or doing a read along with us because we would love to do that with you
1: yeah i just actually gave uh daisy jones and the six to somebody um joseph's cousin and friend of the podcast taryn she um had just, I had given her Malibu Rising and Beautiful Mm. World. So then I was like, okay, to follow up with this, I'm going to give you two books, again, from the same authors. (laughs) I'm going to give you Daisy Jones and the Six and Normal People. (laughs) So, um, yeah, yeah, they came over and I sent her home with those because I was like, well, these are also stellar. They might be even more stellar than the previous books I gave you. So if you like them, you'll love these ones. Yeah,
0: I've been giving, like, every episode that releases, my mom's, like... Mm -hmm. So do you still have those books?
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Most of
0: them. I guess like the last few episodes that we've done, I really haven't enjoyed the books that much, but like I gave her after the first episode released, she like immediately asked for Malibu Rising and the road trip.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And then, oh, so then she, she so she read the road trip and loved it. So then I was like, okay, well, here's the flat share, the switch. Flash year in the switch that's it right and the road trip yeah that's
1: it there's only three The no yep show's the coming. no show's coming out Soon. next month
0: um so then I gave her those ones and then like after we did beautiful world like she didn't ask for that one but I was like I liked it so much that I'm gonna give it to you yeah so yeah I've been giving
1: yeah my mom went out and bought it she was like I did my like book homework Aww. um and I'm gonna go out and buy it and I was like oh mom
0: <laughs> yeah
1: I think she still listens need to check well, on that
0: on our little like rss feed whatever thing it says we have eight mm-hmm. followers i'm
2: really so impressed. that's
0: like four more than i was expecting <laughs> 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 because really i thought it was just gonna be evan and joseph and our mobs
1: <laughs> yeah
0: so yay impressive there's still that one person who is listening in belgium and the little dot is getting redder and redder. And I'm assuming the red, like, the redness of the dot is, like, how many downloads comes from there, I think. Mm-hmm. So, they've been listening to, like, every episode. So, shout out.
1: Yay. <laughs> There's
0: also someone in, like, like, outside, I don't know. I don't really know the map of the U.S. very well. But it's, like, like, you know how D.C. is, like, not a state?
2: Mm-hmm. It's
0: somewhere in there. It's, like, near Maryland and, okay. and D.C., And then there's like one in texas and one in like kansas or something like that so hi yeah and then of course there's like huge red dots like in regina and nova scotia and vancouver
1: (laughs) because that's yeah yep Yep.
0: um yeah that was it for me anything else you want to talk about yeah
1: well the only other thing i would be have to say is uh beth o'leary's book the no show is coming out next oh. month and they've also released who is signed on board for doing the audio book for it um as i've become a passionate <laughs> audio book lover um it gives me great excitement to know like um ivana lynch from harry potter series she is gonna be one of the um people casting it there's two actors who are in the first series of bridgerton um and there's somebody else i don't really know who she is but it looks like it's gonna be pretty good i'm very I excited to listen wait. to the audiobook and to consume the book maybe oh, we should do that as excited. the next
0: read along it'll be out right
1: yeah mm. yeah it will be yep
0: maybe um
1: joseph was trying to get me to do the one that the book that he just finished reading as our next book um I did buy it to him it's like a murder mystery oh, okay. book
0: okay that's fine I um, thought it was gonna be something yeah like really like
1: a... no <laughs> I've been trying to encourage him to read more like fun things um but he was like sitting. I've never seen him like this with a book where he was sitting like laughing at like what he was reading and stuff hmm. um well yeah
0: you know That PhD is probably a slog, so I can understand, like, not wanting to do any more reading after. Yeah. After you've had to do all that reading for your PhD. But, um. What was I going to say? Oh! I follow this girl on Instagram. She's actually from Wales. All of the people that I follow on Bookstagram are, like, from the UK. Yeah. They just have the best. That's the
1: same with me. They just have the
0: best. (laughs) I don't know if it's. Maybe it's because I follow you. I don't know. I don't know how they keep.
1: Maybe. there's another one I think it's like um two two girls, one podcast or something um or two books one podcast two books two girls uh, something <laughs> like that um
2: yeah they, um I really like their the
1: their stuff yeah, I'm pretty sure I think they just did like a meetup in Manchester the other day
2: um interesting yeah
0: anyway this girl is from from Wales. she's super fun. What, what what's uh-huh. hers hers is zoe reads books i think
1: and oh there's also one that's kirsty reads books that i follow oh, yeah. as well i was like yay
0: well it seems like a lot of people which i can relate to this because we pretty much decided to do this over the pandemic too but like a lot of people decided to do like a book a bookstagram because over the pandemic like they are reading so much
2: mm-hmm.
0: so it seems like there's a yeah. lot of accounts now because of that Anyway, Mm -hmm. so this girl, she got like an advanced copy of the no-show and she said, "Yeah, she said her favorite, what did she say her favorite was? I think she said her favorite was the Switch, which my favorite is also the Switch. Yeah. But she was like, this one might be better. And I was like, oh my God, (laughs) I can't wait. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I think in all honesty, my favorite is probably the Switch too. It's very, very close. The flat share is very, very close behind that. And now I own a copy of the Switch, too. Yay!
0: Happy birthday! (laughs) Um, Thank you. Oh, yeah. Oh, damn it. I think I forgot to say on the last one that it was your birthday. It was Chrissy's birthday two weeks ago. Oh, maybe it was because we were supposed to record, like, that weekend or something. But then you're like, I'm not recording on my birthday. And I was like, you know what? That's fair. (laughs) That's yeah. <laughs> um, happy birthday
1: and I had so long to edit the last podcast and then I did it two days before it was released and then this one I had so long to read the book and I finished it hours before we came on the podcast you know
0: what so. I'm
1: I was having more fun playing video games I'm really week, so. enjoying
0: it but it is it is a lo- it's a lot of work
1: it's, ho- like, a serious it homework is. to do. And then, like, a serious, like, grind with editing. Yeah. Um,
0: I... But I'm I enjoying enjoy, it. It's great. I, it. but I like it's doing just the editing, actually. And I like recording, obviously, because we get to talk for two hours. And, like, reading the books is obviously fun. But it is a grind, you know? hmm And I wish that... I wish I had more time fucking working, man. It's a scam. Don't... <laughs> Don't grow up. <laughs>
1: Don't, Don't grow, grow up. up.
0: It's a fucking scam. Like it sucks. Working 40 hours a week sucks. You like it feels like you never have time to do anything that you like to do, which like like this. Anyway. Yeah. That's my that's my rant for the day. Um yay. Yay. Okay, so uh you want to tell them what the theme is for this week's episode?
1: So, the theme of this week's episode is um world war Two, so books that exist within world war Two, so a lot of historical fiction wow
0: we're kind of doing two bummer here. episodes in a row
1: <laughs> yeah my one's not as bummer. well it is yeah never mind my uh, mine's, not really, mine's not really
0: a bummer either but i mean it's just kind of the subject matter is a bummer like there's there's no way there's no getting yeah. away from it there's
1: elements there's elements of it that are dark and stormy, but there's definitely, like, little beams of yeah, sunshine yeah, yeah, for sure. um, in there.
0: You know, I I just, I always find it interesting because if you think about it, there's so many, like, historical fiction novels and movies mm-hmm. and, like, there's yep. just so much content, basically, to consume about World War II. And yes. wh- why do you think that is? Like, what do you think? Is our well, obsession. I think
1: probably more to do with, like, mass publication. Mass publication has really taken off within, like, the last little while. Um, so I think that definitely has some sort of effect on, like, the amount of books that are out there. And I think for a lot of people, it's more like it's kind of like an unbelievable event that happened. Mm-hmm. And, like... um the triumphs but also the tragedies that like existed from this like very short space of time yeah um it'll always i think hold certain fascination to people i just think we have to be very careful of like teetering on the like the edge of like glorification Mm. Mm. and i think that's where sometimes people can fall off that edge of glorifying war and i i am very cautious um when it comes to consuming things um around that but yeah I definitely think that this book does not sell the war as being some sort of like fantastical no. thing yeah um I,
0: oh, yeah I guess we'll, we'll get into it when we talk talk about my book but it's just like it it, it actually like I have to be in the right mindset because oh because definitely it bothers me so much like you said like the glorification of war like I just it I, I mm-hmm. it doesn't compute with me Like why? And like every time we watch a movie that's about World War II, I always say to Evan, like, what? Like what? Like what would motivate you to go? To me, it's just that it's it's the the politicians sitting up in their mansions because they're rich and they're like Mm -hmm. making all of these decisions that are essentially letting all of these young innocent men die. For yep. their, like, stupid whips. And there's so many
1: different reasonings, too. Like, even, like, the difference between, like, the First World War and the Second World War. Like, very different reasonings and stuff. But it is, like, a lot of people who are pushing the, like, numbers mm-hmm. around a board. Yeah. Where those numbers are people's yeah, exactly. lives. Um, yeah.
2: I just always
0: find it interesting. Like, especially... And I, I was thinking about it a lot, like, last summer when there was all of those, like, all of the unmarked graves of the Indigenous people mm-hmm. at residential schools. It's like, why why aren't we talking about that as much as we talk about this? Because to me, it seems yeah. like it's on the same level. I, I realized that it was, like, such a... I think what it was was that it was such a organized... Event. Efficient, yeah, yeah. So maybe that's what it is, and maybe, but I don't even think it was that. It was the first time because horrible shit has been happening basically since the yeah, dawn. And
1: of- genocides, because, um, yeah, there has been those throughout history. Um,
0: yeah. So I always just like wonder, like, what, like, what is it about World War Two that we're so obsessed with it, but we don't talk about other and we almost it's almost like we're trying to hide it
1: but in some ways i think um in a lot of ways the second world war touched on so many different realms of the world Mm -hmm. um in a sense like because when you hear about it it's all very eurocentric um in so many ways and even both of our books i'm pretty sure are based within europe Mm -hmm um there are so many tales from other countries and stuff and it doesn't help that we both um well like i'm from the european region and like canada was in like the commonwealth and everything so like it's it's still very eurocentric so the way our lives are framed we're going to have like more of that within our um like the forefront but um it seems like whenever I've heard about like the Second World War, it's definitely more of a war that was on like a global scale rather than like the First World War where it was like dug into trenches yeah. within a particular area and there was like a stalemate. Yeah. There was like conflict going on out with that within the first world war, but it was mainly concentrated in one area. Yeah, whereas the second world war, it was definitely a lot more covering a lot more areas of the world and I think that's potentially why um it's maybe more ingrained within like our media and within our like knowledge because it did affect a lot more people but even like when I went to high school in Canada how I was taught about it was different than how I was taught about it in the UK yeah because again it was different experiences they had a lot more rationing and stuff going on because they were an island right yeah. And a lot closer to the conflict yeah. too. Um, and even like what I have learned about what happened um, within um, like mainland Britain in the the Second World War um, is different from what's in this book. So the book that I am focusing on is the Guernsey Literary and Potato Peel Pie Society. So it's set within the channel islands uh, particularly guernsey which is i'm pretty sure the closest one to mainland france mm. so they can like on a good day it said in the book you can see the cars on like on the coast of mm. france so very very close and they were occupied for 5 years during the war um Bye and they were cut off by um na- by the nazi germany regime they were um occupied and they had like their cable lines to the U- um to britain were cut they had no mail or anything that came from the uk they were like no news they had to give up all of their radios they had like and fair enough there was some people that had like secret radios within their um houses and one at one point um somebody notes that they had like found out that um d-day had happened so like the allied forces had landed in normandy but they were still occupied at the time but they couldn't like celebrate and they were walking down the street trying to like like not have a grin on their face because they didn't want to like alert to anybody that they knew because they had been listening to their radio Mm. the night before um, and had had known about this obviously this is all fictionalised too but like um, they did have their children evacuated from the island and it says at the very end of the book that they did extensive research into creating the book um, because there was um, like labour camps on the island where they would take people over from Poland or from, um, like, Russian soldiers and put them onto Guernsey to build, um, like, the bunkers and the, um, like, the big, like, machine gun towers that they would have, like, on the beaches and mm. stuff. Um, yeah. So anyway, I'll start. <laughs> yeah, because we kind of went off a little bit there. So, <laughs> um, But yeah, yeah. Um... I think that that's potentially why we have like a big fascination with it yeah. too. So yeah. Like I said, I'm discussing the Guernsey Literary and Potato Peel Pie Society, which is one hell of a title. Yeah. Um and it's a novel by Mary Ann Schaefer and Annie Barrows. So interesting um, too. Mary Ann Two Yeah. So Mary Ann um is actually Annie's aunt so Marianne Schaefer became really ill with cancer while she was writing the mm-hmm. book so she asked her niece Annie Barrows to actually help her finish off the book and to complete the manuscript mm-hmm. so yeah and then they both write uh an afterword at the end of the book um uh, where they like thank each other for like the opportunity and stuff um but unfortunately, um, Mary Ann actually did pass away before the book was published, um, and only like months before no. it was published. Um, yeah. So that's like a little bit of a sad tale, but um, it is really nice that they did get to complete it because um, Mary Ann, it was her first novel, and she had spent so long um, researching um going through archives and things to actually like create together a story Mm. and it is a really unique book too um but first of all it was published in 2008 um and there's been several iterations of the publication um because they then released one with like the movie cover because they released a movie in 2018 um which was like made available on netflix pretty quickly after I, i think it did have a short stint in um in theaters but um, yeah, I thought it was a netflix it stars no nope. yeah but i think sometimes some of the netflix originals um can be done elsewhere but then netflix buys the rights to it so then it becomes like a netflix original mm-hmm. um so i think it was it had like a limited release in theaters um but i remember it being one of the first ones that i was like oh my god this is coming on netflix like straight away um and I'm pretty sure when it first came out, I like watched it twice within like twenty four hours um because I thought it was such a beautifully done story it was nice. I liked but it, it. is it was good yeah, it is slightly different from the book, but I think it's just because there are a lot of characters in the book, so they like condensed some of them down. The main people are still there, but just some of the periphery people they kind of cut out a little mm-hmm. bit um. But yeah, so it was published in two thousand eight in eight by Dial Press, which is under the parent, uh, group of Penguin Random House, and yeah, um, it's got a really cute cover because it has like the writing as if it's a little letter that you're receiving, uh, with like stamps from Guernsey, and the whole, it it is in two parts, but um, the whole first part is like, um. Juliet Ashton before she goes to Guernsey and her correspondence back and forth between several people because you have her corresponding with her publisher and her publisher's um sister so she actually became friends with the sister while she was in school and that's how she then met her like publisher and stuff um and he's been like a brother to her for ages but in the movie they cut out the sister just have the publisher um so that's really nice. You see like correspondence between them, and then you get the letter from Dawsey Adams, who is from Guernsey, and he had a book that was um it had Juliet's name inscribed on in the inside, and that's how they start their correspondence. And they write back and forth letters quite a lot, which in the movie I think they write like two letters and she decides to go to Guernsey. <laughs> it's very quick, whereas in the book it's like the first part of the book like it goes on for ages before you get to the second part um yeah um but the whole book is comprised of letters which is slightly interesting to get into it took me a while to get into it um because it's a different rhythm and sometimes you have to pick up on the fact that A lot of the time you do, no, a lot of the time it's just letters that Juliet is writing to people, Mm -hmm. but then occasionally you will get a letter that somebody has written to Juliet or you'll get a response from her best friend or her um, publisher, but very limited do you get those responses. So sometimes she'll be saying something and you're like, oh, she must have told you that in a previous letter. So you kind of have to like connect the dots sometimes. Mm -hmm. But, like, I don't mind that. It it wasn't anything bad. Anyway, I should probably also read the description of the (laughs) book. Um, Oh, my goodness. All over the place today. So the first little section is, like, a quote from the book. I wonder how the book got to Guernsey. Perhaps there is some sort of secret homing instinct in books that brings them to their perfect readers. So that was after um, Dawsey wrote a letter to Juliet saying, I received one of your books and it was so helpful to me throughout the war and the occupation of Guernsey. Um, Is there any chance that you know of any other books written by Charles Lamb? So she's like responding to him saying, oh, I think that's so lovely how my book ended up in your possession. Um, Okay, so January 1946, London is emerging from the shadow of the Second World War and writer Juliet Ashton is looking for her next book subject. Who could imagine that she would find it in a letter from a man she's never met, a native of the island of Guernsey, who has come across her name written inside a book by Charles Lamb. As Juliet and her new correspondent exchange letters, Juliet is drawn into the world of this man and his friends, and what a wonderful wonderfully <laughs> and what a wonderfully eccentric world it is. The Guernsey Literary and Potato Peel Pie Society, born as a spur-of-the-moment alibi when its members were discovered breaking curfew by the Germans occupying their island, boasts a charming, funny, deeply human cast of characters, from pig farmers to phrenologists, literature lovers, all. Juliet begins a remarkable correspondence with the society's members learning about their island, their taste in books and the impact the recent German occupation has had on their lives. Captivated by their stories, she sets sail for Guernsey and what she finds will change her forever. Written with warmth and humour as a series of letters, this novel is a celebration of the written word in all its guises and of finding connection in the most surprising ways. So it really is a lovely book um yeah, and as much as I had already seen the movie and everything, I was a bit like, okay, well, what can they tell me that's new and stuff? So, from the book perspective, um, going towards like the movie, there are things that they condensed down, or that they changed ups kind of slightly, or that they made happen to somebody else just so that it fit more in line with like a. A film script yeah. so um like i said before they like cut out some more of the periphery characters but then um in the book there's um a friend so there, it like revolves around this character elizabeth who goes um she's still missing she hasn't come home from um mainland europe because she got sent to a camp um and it I don't like I don't want to spoil anything but she's like missing for a good portion of the book and when they're talking about her um she has a good friend and in the book it's written that it's Amelia's daughter but in in the book it's or no in the film they say it's Amelia's daughter that she was really good friends with um who died giving birth to her baby while they were like while the Germans were landing to occupy the island but in the book it's ebens um or Eben. um it's his daughter that is pregnant and loses her baby and her own life um so just like there's like small little changes that occur within i suppose just to make the story more succinct mm. um and i don't really mind that you take in, like that kind of like liberties the story still stays true to like the main core elements there's just like you need to change a few bits for it to like make sense in film. Whereas when you have a book, you can have more characters that can be a little bit more periphery.
0: Yeah. I, I feel um, like it would be hard to write a movie based off a book that's only letters.
1: Yeah. And I think it, it's incredible that they did manage to do it. because, And it is a very beautiful book in itself. And like I said, it's only letters. There are a few cable telegrams in there as well, but it like helps make sense with the story and you would have received that as a letter Mm -hmm. so um it still makes sense um what else was like a big thing yeah so i wouldn't say that that's like a dislike that they changed things up um when they had to change like the media of the because i think still the essence of the story is still there um there is one character that is not in the um not in the movie at all they there was somebody who knew elizabeth when she was at the concentration camps and she um she like wants to come and visit guernsey and stuff but she's like quite ill she is like not in the movie at all but it makes sense for like propelling the story forward because then they talk about um like them having camps on the island and how it was different to the camps that were on like mainland Europe and how like some of those people like the trauma that they have they're never gonna want to like talk about it but in some ways they have to talk about it too um so yeah it was kind of neat to bring that into um into the tale um and at the same time like I wasn't aware that people who were in concentration camps like she was French like the character in the book that was in the camp she was French and that the French government then were trying to house people and give them grants so they could go back to school they were given a pension like all of these things were then put in place to help those people so she um ultimately decides to go back to um Paris it's kind of a spoiler it's at the end of the book but um she decides to go back to Paris and train at a baker um shop in Paris to like learn like patisserie kind of trade so like I didn't know that that existed Mm -hmm. um and I did know a little bit about them having camps on Guernsey because I had like seen the movie and things like that but I learned a lot of like little tidbits that like Obviously, our truth within um, what happened there, um, yeah, and it's just kind of interesting that um, like those truths are woven into a tale that really pulls at your heart, but you're still being educated by yeah. something that was like fairly traumatic. It's um, kind of
0: funny because my book is like exactly the same way.
1: But mm-hmm. we'll get- and I think that that's, like, a responsibility that you have with historical fiction, that you really do have to weave so much truth into mm-hmm. it, that it is a story that's believable. And that's where, like, um, I was really struggling for what book to pick. And I have, like, three other choices that I could have picked for this. Um, one was All the Light We Cannot See by Anthony Dorr. Um But that book, I didn't get into it until my second attempt at reading it. I left it for like two years on my bookshelf and then was like, okay, I'll give it another go. Um, And I really like forced myself to read it. And Once I got to a certain spot, I couldn't put the book down. But I've since given it to people and not everybody has like a very good reaction to the book. So I was just like, "Mm, I don't know if I want to read this book again. Hmm. Um. Another one was Sarah's Key. I can't remember who the author is for that, but they also made a movie out of it. Um, but that book is very, very upsetting. Yeah. Um, so I was just like, mm, not in the mood to read that right now. And another one was, um, oh my goodness, We Were the Lucky Ones <sighs>
2: Yeah, you gave uh, that one by to Georgia you.
1: Hunter. I gave that one that to you really and good. it's almost like semi-biographical of like, what happened to her grandfather and then her grandfather's siblings. Um, and she like fills in, it is a historical fiction because she takes the details of their lives and what she doesn't know, she fills in the gaps so that she can like create a story. Um, but it was a really good book too. Um, but I did kind of forget that I had that book. So yeah. Um, <laughs> didn't pick it and then I was in chapters and saw this one and was like oh brilliant it's not super big um and it did take me a little minute to get into it but I crushed through most of it within the past 24 hours and I think it's a great book and there's not too much to dislike um but if you're somebody who doesn't like deviating from the traditional format of just like written narrative. like a novel yeah written narrative like there's not the book for you um having to connect the dots and at one point actually it's not even letters it's entries from um some of these detective notes because they think that they're going to become a detective ah, that's, um, awesome. that's only for like a tiny little section though towards the end and it like kind of like reveals like um kind of like the crux and culmination of it being like almost like romantic in a sense um because there is like a romance story that like continues on or like a friendship and then romance kind of situation which is very sweet um
0: i love i love when books are written like in letters like i always find i read those faster because yeah it's easier to read like a letter as a like not always but like sometimes chapters Mm -hmm. are long and involved and if you're just reading a letter that's usually about one or two topics it's it's easier to read yeah
1: and because the book is only split into two parts um literally it just runs on like letters all the time and it does say between each letter like from juliet to markham reynolds um Oh, that's all between them right now. From Juliet to Sophie, from Juliet to Amelia, um, from Amelia to Juliet. So you can like follow along. It states that before every letter, mm. um, and they don't like take a a new page to start the new letter. It does just like continue mm. on in the page, um. So you do have to like keep an eye on how you're, like, who's reading to who. Because sometimes I would start reading and I'd be like, oh shit. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. who is them. this one from again um, but there is a few letters that are like random obviously they have some exchanges that happen because um, Juliet's starting to date somebody at one point Um, so there's like the back and forth with that um, and then there's some people who are giving references to say that Juliet would be a good person to like write this book um, so you find a bit more about Juliet's life and like the background um, and yeah, I'm trying to find, um, there's a really funny letter that comes, um, from somebody and, oh god, I really wish I was taking, um, oh, here we go. I need to put sticky notes in my book. Um... Look at this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so.
0: This was a lot, lot more than usual, but anyway, go on.
1: So in the book as well as the movie there's this person who um is very um sees himself as very much um living their life within the light of the Lord and it is their duty to make sure that people are doing things and not living within sin and things like that okay so and at one point one of the characters is like um, if you're having fun she considers that to be a sin so like um like this person clearly is like devoid of having right. fun but she actually writes to juliet and is like um forgive the presumption of a letter from a person unknown to you but a clear duty is opposed upon me i understand from Dawsey adams that you are to write a long article for the times literary supplement on the value of reading and intend to feature the Guernsey Literary and Potato Peel Pie Society therein. I laugh. Perhaps you will reconsider when you learn that their founder, Elizabeth McKenna, is not even an islander. Despite her fine airs, she is merely a jumped-up servant from the London home of Sir Ambrose Ivers. Oh boy! Yeah, um... Oh, yeah, And at the end, you must not write about these people and their books. God knows what they saw fit to read. Yours in Christian, Christian consternation and concern, Adelaide Addison. Miss. Um, oh boy. Yeah. So she at one point is like, this is ridiculous. But then she like doesn't respond to her, I don't think. So then at another point she receives a second letter from her and she's like, I understand that you're not heeding. Ooh. I see that you will not be advised by me. I came upon Isla Pribby while in her market stall, scribbling a letter in response to a letter from you. I tried to resume my errands calmly, but then I came upon Dawsy Adams posting a letter to you. Who will be next? I ask. <laughs> this is not to be borne, And I seize my pen to stop you. Okay. Um, so this is. Because also like in like two, we have to realize like, during this time, your main source of communication with people was yeah. letters, really. This um, is like the
0: original YouTube comment troll. Like Yeah.
1: <laughs> Essentially. Um, and then at the very end she signs off. You'll not hear from me again. I've done my best. Let it be on your head. Um mm-hmm. Yeah. But she also like then during that letter, she um talks about um The unwed Elizabeth McKenna gave birth to a baby girl in her own cottage. Um, An unmarried man was there helping deliver the baby. Um, The punitive father, absent. In fact, he left the island a short time before, ordered to duty on the continent, so they said. (laughs) The case is perfectly clear. When the evidence of their illicit connection was irrefutable, Captain Hellman abandoned his mistress and left her to her just desserts. Um, yeah. It's just because her, um, Elizabeth McKenna's character, she, um, falls in love with one of the German soldiers who is occupying, um, yeah. Oh my god! Which, uh, another point so they talk about. um our books, I just want
0: to say that. Yeah. <laughs> but, like, we'll get to it. But like, I can't believe it. Yeah. I honestly can't believe it. I forgot about this movie because we watched it together. Yeah. But, like, I completely forgot. But now that you're you're saying all this stuff, I'm like, oh my god. Yeah,
1: and the person who is play like plays Elizabeth mckenna is uh Sybil from *Downton Abbey*.
0: <gasps> oh, that's right. That's right.
1: Yeah. And Lily James, who's the main person, she's also in Downton Abbey. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And does Adams, who she like falls in love with, is the second iteration of oh the hot mm-hmm. guy in Game of Thrones. Mm-hmm. What's his um, name? He- his name is like Michael Hughesman. Oh, I think he's Belgian. What's his name.
2: Um. Oh,
1: Dar- Dar- no, Dario. Uh, Dario Naharis. Yes. Yep. Um, let me just double check uh yeah michael Mi- michelle huseman he's dutch sorry dutch. um yeah is yeah. good looking um but he is nice to look mm-hmm. at
0: yep like that's for sure
1: yeah okay now i am definitely right dario and a um oh he's also in the haunting of hill house mm-hmm. um i haven't seen that but <laughs> well, oh he's nice to look no at um, don't watch that
0: it's not worth it <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I,
1: you won't like um, it you'll get very scared yeah but anybody who doesn't want to give the time for the book give the time for this movie Mm. because i do feel that like as much as there are differences the differences aren't enough of like a deviation there are a few things like there's a few characters who are missing and stuff but that just like fleshes out the book more than anything and if you didn't have that it would kind of be like a bit of a shit book um but overall i love the charm of it the like way it was written was really sweet because then you slowly like peel back the tale over time because then you find out that like the the German guy who Elizabeth falls in love with, um Captain Christian uh Hellman or whatever his name was, um was actually just like a really nice person. And there were nice people on both sides. There were also shitty people on both sides. Mm-hmm. But for, like, a like a good percentage, I would say that there were just people who were just, like, called up to do the duty to the country that they were born mm-hmm. in. Like, um, and I'm not saying that that's true for everybody. And I'm definitely not giving a free pass to those who clearly were in the wrong with what they were doing. But there were people who, like, had no interest. And his idea was he'd fallen in love with Elizabeth and um, he like states his intentions to like a friend of hers on the island and says I want to marry her I want to be with her when this war is over I want to come back here and live here and have a farm and like be on the water and stuff like just like fell in love and that was to him bigger than the war. Yeah, that, that's um, the thing
0: that's that bothers me so much is that there's so much propaganda on both sides mm-hmm. yeah. saying of any war. I mean, I think it happens a, like that's yeah. basically how you can get innocent people to go to war is because you can
1: manipulate you can them manipulate
0: to the them. Media. You can make the "Quote unquote enemy out to be uh, like inhuman, like they yeah. matter less than you, or they're taking something away from you.
1: When it's like they're, and that's exactly what like the Nazi regime did in regards to Jew- people uh, Jewish people. Yeah. They made them out to be vermin, so people that had no feelings towards them. So when things started like atrocious things started like happening to people, and like rulings like orders came out for them to do things people were following them because they had been told for so like for years leading up to the war that they were inhuman so that and also that it just like adds on top of that like all Um, of their
0: problems were stemming from the this one group of people yeah and yeah and it's just like every like just because someone's from another country than you does like they're living their lives they just want the same things you want I'm sure like
1: and this is where we were talking about it's all the like little people that are making all the decisions mm -hmm. that's where the people who are like the everyday people have to follow those Mm -hmm. and yeah it's not right really what you want to be doing the
0: people at the top get to make the decisions but not suffer the consequences usually which is the most frustrating for me thing for me about mm-hmm. watching like oh, like Saving Pri- Saving Private Ryan and like Band of Brothers like all of those shows yeah. I just like
1: have you seen 1918 yet?
0: 1917?
1: Was it 1917? Yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> no, and that's it
1: a- The war did go to 1918, so I'm going <laughs> to let myself off the hook with that.
0: Um no, I haven't and it's because it's basically because of that because well, for one thing, yeah. it gives me so much anxiety. It, it's it's different.
1: It's got similar vibes to vibes to Saving Private Ryan in the sense that it's like they want him to come back from the line because his brother's been um, killed. So, like, it's similar vibes to that, but it's very intense. And there were several times where I was, like, holding my breath. Yeah um well same thing again you gotta be in the right frame of mind for that same
0: thing with dunkirk like
1: oh my god i watched dunkirk on a plane which was a bad (laughs) move but it was one of those things where like the screen wouldn't work on the air canada flight i was on so i could only like i was like like attacking the screen and then it put dunkirk on and i couldn't get out of it so i was just like well i guess i'm watching dunkirk now um and i actually didn't mind it but like Not the thing you want to watch in a plane at all when there's like shooting down planes.
0: Yeah, oh yeah, bad move. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. Like obviously, an excellent movie. Like so good, and even like Saving Mm -hmm. Private Ryan, Band of Brothers, all excellent. Yeah, pieces of film, but like, it gives me so much anxiety to think of being in that situation. Yeah, and also it makes me so angry to think that there was all of these young men put into that position just because Mm -hmm. some fucking guy at the top wanted to try out his new tanks or whatever bullshit it was, you know? Which I know is a simplification of what actually happened, but it just makes me so angry to think that, like, all of these people at Mm -hmm. the top were making decisions that was essentially just killing these innocent people and they thought that they were doing it in honor of their country, which is true. And Evan always says, whenever we watch anything, he's like, it had to be done. Because if it wasn't, if if we didn't do it, if Canada didn't do it, if the US didn't do it, if all of these young, innocent men didn't give their lives, we would be living in a significantly different world now. Yeah. And the the, the, the reason we have the freedom to do this is because of that. And I understand that. I just feel like it shouldn't be that way.
1: Yeah, but it shouldn't have come to that in the first place. Yeah. Um and there were so many things that led up to like the First World War and the fact that they happened so close together, yeah. like um like 20 years apart mm-hmm. and it was because of the a lot of the sanctions that were put on one country really that led to yeah. um the second one. So There were so many things in effect, and uh, the blatant disregard for, like, lives. Like, I know it was really bad in the Second World War, but that was, like, almost for, like, a different thing. In regards to, like, the people up at the top, the First World War is the one that really grinds my gears about that. Um, But the Second World War is just, like, total, like, destruction. It's not just like, those who were, like, fighting age or anything like that, just total annihilation of, like, groups of people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah, so this is a jolly topic. <laughs> um, But, yeah, the book itself does have a lot of, like, shining little glimmers of light, but it does talk about a lot of dark stuff, like people starving, mm-hmm. um, people who are working in the camps how the people who, or the women who, like, slept with soldiers were treated, how it was the day that they had to, like, evacuate children from the island. And they didn't, eva- like, parents had the choice if they wanted their child to go. But you're, like, sending your child off to, like, mainland Britain. You don't know where they're going to end up. Are they going to end up with a family who's kind and nice? Yeah. Maybe. Are they going to be in a big city? Well, maybe but it was less likely they were going to be sent to a big city they were mostly going to be sent to the country um because they were evacuating kids that happened even within big cities Mm. kids were evacuated to the country Mm -hmm. um so just so many different factors to like consider and you were like they were tying strings with like parcel tags onto the onto the children to like have their identity on them like it still seems so bizarre that that was something that happened Mm -hmm. um yeah um but they said like the day that the children came back was like the best day yeah um and the day that the soldiers arrived on the like the um british soldiers arrived on the soil was like an incredible day um but like the starvation thing and stuff they're talking about like people trying to steal vegetables from each other's garden. And even it came to the point where, like, um, eventually, when there was still, like, German occupation, but the German soldiers had nothing, they managed to get, like, a Red Cross ship that came in. And the commandant on the island said, no, this is for the people of the island. So the German soldiers still had no food either. Um, But the people were given, like, these two boxes of food per person on the island and and it was just incredible they had like tea bags and stuff and just stuff they hadn't had in a long time um they ran out of um like coal Mm. so they then had to and um like paraffin and stuff to like heat their homes so they were um chopping down trees but they were running out of that they ground down bird seeds to make flour because they ran out of flour just, like, things that, like, people nowadays have no comprehension about, mm-hmm. um, yeah, and it's just incredible, like, I still, like, my grandparents were all children when the war was on, but, like, um, well, three of them would have been children, um, during the war, one wasn't born until after the war, but, like, think that's still within like living memory and stuff like yeah. that it's just really bizarre um yeah. yeah um but the island itself the descriptions even like the descriptions that they were given with like um they still have like these big cement towers and things like that but I'm p- pretty sure are still on the island um some of these cement towers that were there, that were built um, as, like, machine gun towers and stuff. Um, The actual descriptions of the island sound so nice that there's part of me that really wants to go at some point to, like, visit. Um, And it's somewhere that I would have never, like, thought to have wanted to visit. (laughs) Um, Not of any, like, sort of disinterest. I just didn't know much about the island. Um, But the book gives, like, a kind of, like, a not like a detailed history, but it gives you like a little bit of like tidbits here and there, but definitely like so much about the war. Um, yeah, I really enjoyed the book and I would give it like a four stars because it's like incredible. Um, read, but definitely like within the historical fiction area. Um, and you'd have to like like reading letters, but um. Yeah, I think the book would be open to anybody because it, there is like a love story within it, but it's not what like the primary focus is. Mm-hmm. Um, the primary focus is like Juliet trying to create this book. Though, talking about dislikes <laughs> for a hot second, Juliet is this person who is like this perfect person, mm. and if people don't like her, it seems like it's a problem that that other person has that they, which kind of irritates me a little bit because nobody is
2: perfect. Um, Are we
0: like, do we have the same brain? Oh my god, I can't <laughs> wait to talk about my book because it's like there's so much shit that goes on that's exactly the same thing as what you're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> I can't
1: wait. So it just kind of irritates me a little bit yeah. because it's like, well, not everybody likes each other, so why is it a problem that um like she doesn't have to like get along with everybody and it seems like as soon as there's somebody who there's like an issue with well, it's obviously that that the per- that person has a problem, yeah. and it's like that's not really how the world. I
0: works. remember like not really loving that. main... like the like Lily James is amazing, obviously, but mm-hmm. like the character, I was just kind of like, oh, you're you're kind of annoying. Like it's still a great movie, but I was like, mm. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah, and her character doesn't change much from the movie. it's yeah. pretty much the same throughout. Um. There are moments where I definitely feel sorry for her. Oh, which part of that too, in the movie, um, I don't think it clearly states that her parents died when she was a child and she was raised by an uncle. I feel I got the the idea from the movie that her parents died in the war. They were like she had an apartment in London and they were killed because of that but maybe I just picked up the wrong end of the stick but her apartment does get blown to pieces and that's in the book um, as well but her parents like die when she's 12 and she goes and lives with an uncle and then goes to boarding school and that's how she meets Sophie and Sophie and Sydney are siblings and that's like Sydney's her publisher and Sydney his character is still Sydney in the movie as well um, who's played by Matthew Good who's also in Downton Abbey um he's like way later on. He's the race car oh, driver yeah. that married. <laughs> yeah. It, got it, got it. Um he's in that TV show Discovery of Witches that I see adverts for everywhere.
0: Yeah, he's in like a like a I don't I don't want to He see. was in
1: something random recently that I watched I too. Oh, the point. latest Kingsman movie. Oh,
0: yeah, yeah. He's very British. Like he's like exactly what you think of when you think of a British dude.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so, um He's in that as her publisher. Um, yeah. Um, so there is like depth to her character in some senses where she does have like this conflict of her heart and things, but she is kind of glorified as this person who cannot do any wrong. Yeah. And it kind of irks me a little bit, but that would be like my only real kind of annoyance. Um, Cause I understand when you do translate things to movies, you got to change things up and you got to make it more concise and flow better. And I think that they did a good job. I probably need to watch the movie again to make sure, but um, I loved the movie when it came out. So um, I am glad that I finally got to read the book um, and I really enjoyed it. So, well,
2: okay.
0: So maybe if you do you like she, cause in the book or sorry, in the movie, she was like keeping it a secret that she was writing the book, right? Because she was gonna write a book um, about whatever like.
1: I think that she knew she was gonna write an article for the Times. Mm. But I don't think she when she then realized it was gonna be a book, some people weren't impressed. But this is where like it flashes out more in the book. Because in the book, um, Amelia, who's the one who's, like, really hesitant about telling her about the society and her, like, preying upon their lives and finding out that Elizabeth fell in love with a German soldier because she doesn't want it to be portrayed in the wrong light. Mm -hmm. Um, In the book, Juliet is like, I'm going to get two references for you. Somebody who has known me, like, my whole life and I grew up with, which was, like, the reverend of the parish that she grew up in when she was a child. And I'm also giving you a reference from somebody who doesn't like me. Um, And it was somebody that she worked with, with like the war effort. Mm. Um, She worked as like an auxiliary fire person or something. And Um. She was, like, on the roof of, like, some college to, like, help put out fires if there was fire started. And then a fire, like, a bomb hit the library. So she, like, bolts to, like, put the fire out and puts her own life in danger. So they end up spending more time trying to save her from that. So she gets, like, switched from the, like, fire force where they're, like, standing on the roofs to then, like, the day after help. Like, the auxiliary people who would, like, come... with like tea and coffee and blankets the next day after like a bombing and stuff Mm. she was then switched to like that day work instead of like working at night where she would like watch bombs fall and stuff like that and protect roofs by throwing sand on them Mm. so the person that she was assigned on a roof with gave her statement because she was like this person doesn't like me so i'm giving you somebody who did and somebody who didn't (laughs) to give you a reference and then because of those references you'll see that I'm like a decent person um, kind of thing. But again, it does start out with, she's going to write an article for the times and then it spawns into this. Um, she decides to write a book because mm. um, she's getting all of these stories. Cause the first few are just like people who are in the society, but the society itself it doesn't exist to four people like it does in the movie. The society actually has like a whole bunch of neighbours and stuff that end up being involved. Mm. Um, There is the four core people that you see in the movie, but they're, again, like just all of these extra people. And because of that, she then starts getting stories about the war from different people and starts visiting people around the island, wanting to get their tidbits. And that's when she realises, or not even she realises, I think her publisher, Sydney, points out that all of the stories... Mm. Elizabeth McKenna is the the one that like links to everybody. She like is part of everybody's like occupation story. Mm-hmm. So the book should be about her. Yeah. So it's not really about the society. The book is really based around Elizabeth McKenna, but um she doesn't finish the book, I don't think within the book. Yeah, yeah. Um it's just like it's happening. Mm-hmm. Um yeah. Yeah, but it was per- like I really enjoyed the read, um, and would definitely recommend it to people if they're looking for like a historical wartime fiction. It's definitely something more unique than I think your kind of regular book because of the latter thing. Um, mm. Yeah, but I really liked it. Nice,
2: yay! Yeah,
0: well, I really liked the the movie so. Mm-hmm. I should read the book too and I love books that are like letters like that so I didn't know it was written like that so that's interesting I'll have to give it I'll have to give it a shot okay well my book for the theme of World War II is called The Paris Library by Janet Skeslein Sorry if I'm mispronouncing that. (laughs) Skesleen? Janet Skesleen Charles. Um, It was published in 2021 by Simon & Schuster. Um, So, first of all, I just want to say that I loved this book. Yay. I bought it kind of on a whim one day. And it was kind of like at a time when money was a bit tight and we were trying to save money but I had a really shitty day and I was like I'm gonna buy myself a book to make myself feel better
1: it's always a good thing to do and it's
0: like you always feel guilty because like you're 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 like I shouldn't be spending money but (laughs) but,
1: I just bought all of the Bridgerton books last week (laughs) yeah so I did have a major discount because of my birthday. So we're letting it slide. Perfect. Um, Perfect. But yeah.
0: Oh, yeah, that's always the best. Anyway, so I bought it as a little treat for myself. And I'm so glad that it ultimately brought me so much joy because, yeah, I felt I, f- I feel like even when I pick it up, I'm like, oh, yeah, I remember how guilty I felt buying it. Mm-hmm. Um, but now, like, I would say it's probably one of my favorite books now, which is like
1: that's that's a good recommendation yeah,
0: it's a really good recommendation and okay so let me just read the description first before I get too far into it okay Paris 1939 young ambitious and tem- tempestuous Odile Suchet has it all a handsome police officer beau a new best friend a twin brother whom she adores and a dream job at the American Library in Paris working alongside the library's legendary directress Dorothy Reader. When World War II breaks out, Odile stands to lose everything she holds dear. After the Nazi army marches into the City of Light and declares a war on words, Odile and her fellow librarians join the resistance with the best weapons they have, books. Again and again, they risk their lives to help their Jewish readers, but by the war's end, Odile tastes the bitter sting of unspeakable betrayal ooh montana 19 i like the
1: sound of that sorry. oh sorry <laughs> it's okay.
0: montana 1983 odile's solitary existence in gossipy small town montana is unexpectedly interrupted by her neighbor lily a lonely teenager craving adventure odile helps her navigate the troubled waters of adolescence by always recommending the right book at the right time never suspecting that lily will be the one to help her reckon with her own terrible secret Based on the true story of the American Library in Paris, *The Paris Library* is a mesmerizing and unforgettable novel about the power of books and the bonds of friendship, and the courage it takes to to forgive.
1: Ooh, I like the sound of this.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, like I said, I just picked it up on a whim. Like, I had re- I remembered like seeing a lot about it on Goodreads, and like when it first came out, I think there was like a lot of people talking about it. But I was like... Yeah, it looks familiar, the cover, to me. Yeah, and the um, cover is really pretty, too. It has, like, a bit of gold, and there's, like, a girl mm-hmm. sitting looking out over at the Eiffel Tower. Um, yeah, I remember there was, like, a lot about it when it came out, but I read the description, and I was like, eh, like, it sounds good, but I don't know if it's going to be, like, the best book of all time. So I think it took yeah. me a while to actually buy it.
2: Mm-hmm. But
0: if there's something you should know about me... It's that I'm a sucker for books that have anything to do with books. Like libraries, bookstores, any, like...
1: Which is like mine. Yeah,
0: exactly. That's what I mean. It's it's funny that both of them are, like, have to do with, like, books and, like, literature. Anyway.
1: I just remembered I didn't share any quotes with the book. Well, I suppose I did. I shared some with, like, the letters. I had some good quotes. Anyway, whatever.
0: <laughs> at the... Okay, may, maybe at the end. Yeah. Okay. Um, yes, yeah, so I'm a sucker for books that are kind of meta, I guess you could say. <laughs> um, And also, I'm a sucker for anything to do with Paris. And it's probably yep. waned a bit since I was, like, a teenager, because I used to be obsessed with anything to do with Paris until I went there. hmm not that going there, like, ruined it for me or anything like that, because it was beautiful. I love...
1: It does ruin it for some people, though.
0: <laughs> I loved Paris. It was... It's amazing, and it's so cool to see, like, because, like, we don't have anything that old here.
1: No. Well, not that it's been respected and treated nicely that you can go visit. Yeah,
0: I guess, like, you probably... Maybe it's different for you because you grew up in Scotland, but...
1: Yeah. See, when people take me to places and counters I was like, oh, there's this really old place and stuff like that. I'm like... but is it like 400 years old Um, and like a castle that has been lived in for like centuries oh no yeah Yeah, it's not that old
0: I mean it was like it is dirty I will (laughs) I will I will say that but like I mean you just can't be I don't know I was also 16 when I went and Mm -hmm. it was the first time that I'd ever gone on a trip like without my parents it was like one of those what are they called there's a name for them it's like a tour that you do in school and ef ef tours i think that's what it is and um no never heard of it
1: never heard okay. of it well
0: anyway so it's like <laughs> it was like a thing that you could do like i think it usually would have been in your grade 12 year but they mm-hmm. were stopping them after this year so i got to go when i was in grade 11 And so I was like 16 when we went and yeah, because apparently there was like big issues, like kids were drinking and like falling off of balconies and stuff like that. So like not super great. So that's why they were like canceling all of these tours after this one year. So yeah. So like a bunch of us got to go and even like a couple people in, in the grade younger than us got to go. Mm -hmm. But so it was the first time that I'd ever been away from my parents on a trip. And I was like, I was totally fine with it up until I got onto the plane. And then I was like, oh, my fucking God, what have I done? Like, (laughs) like, (laughs) and I mean, we had like, we had two chaperones with a group of like, I don't know, maybe 15 or 20 kids.
1: And that's not a lot of chaperones. And we
0: because I was gonna say
1: I went on a school trip to the Netherlands. I would have been, oh, Christ, how old would I have been? I'd have been, like, 12 or 13. I think I was 12. Um, And there were, like, probably, like, six teachers on the trip with us. Mm. Um, But I think there was probably close to, like, 25, 30 kids on the trip. Yeah. Um, and you were younger. Which is a lot. And we had to, like, we took a bus from our, like, hometown down the coast, then took a ferry overnight. Yeah to amsterdam and then we were around like the netherlands and then we went down to rotterdam and took the ferry back over and then drove back up again in the bus yeah so like two full days were like just travel
2: yeah
1: um but it was incredible like we were just like we'd go to like a town and be they'd be like okay cool meet back right here at two o'clock yeah and be gone and And i was 12 12. like Uh, i'm sure sure i was 12 because it was 2005 Oh, no, it would have been 2006. So I'd have been 13. Um, so. But it was my first year. It was the end of my first year of secondary school. And it was, like, the first ever time I'd had, like, a taste of freedom. And it was incredible. I spent all my money on shit, mm-hmm. though. Absolute mm-hmm. bullshit. So my parents still have the clog that's a beer opener. So, um, <sighs> nice. yeah. Anyway, sorry. Yeah, um. well,
0: I mean, yeah, I was 16. And I, like... Got a little teary at the airport when I was saying goodbye to my parents. But, like, I was fine. I was on the plane. Like, a lot of the people that I went with had never been on a plane before.
2: Oh, wow. i have at
0: least been on a plane before. And so we get there and, like, you're fucking so jet-lagged. Because we started at, like, what, like, 5 in the morning? We took, like, a flight to Winnipeg and then it was a flight to Montreal. And then we stayed in Montreal for a few hours. We did a tour around Montreal because we had, like, a 12-hour layover. And then the flight from Montreal to Paris... Is like, I don't know, what, 10, 10 or 11 hours?
1: Um, probably like 8
0: Okay, well, hours. that was the longest flight I'd ever been on at that point. Because the, the only flight I'd ever been on before that was to Florida.
1: Yeah, probably about 8. Anyway. Yeah.
0: So, we, like, I'm jet-lagged as hell. And I'd never been jet-lagged before. And we get there in, like, the morning. So, we're exhausted from flying for, like, the last, like, I don't know, 24 hours, basically. And, and it feels
1: like 5 million days. Yep.
0: And, like, we get there in the morning, so we have to stay awake until the night. Mm-hmm. I have, like, this pounding headache. And, like, the teacher is like, yeah, so um, we'll meet back here after lunch at, like, whatever, 3 o'clock. And me and my group of friends are, like, walking down the street in Paris being, like, what do we do? <laughs> like, no one's given us this much freedom before. Like, where, what are yeah. we supposed to do? Like, how are we supposed to find our own lunch? Like, we were just, like, what do we do? Like, and I'm just, like, crying because I'm, like, I miss my parents and there's nobody to tell me what to do. And it's just, like, us, like, a group of 16-year-olds trying to figure out the, what the fuck to do in Paris. Oh, my God. It was, like, a disaster. But, like, eventually, once we got over that initial day and I had, like, a good night's sleep. But, I mean, it really doesn't feel like you get a good night's sleep because it's, like, you're waking up at, like, 6 to go on a tour. So, like, every day. It was just, like, exhaustion for that entire trip. And, yeah. So, we were in Paris for three days. And then we went to Madrid and Barcelona. So... Mm -hmm. yeah so I think I would like to go back to experience it as like an adult because I feel like I would definitely be able to appreciate it a bit more and like hopefully I would be able to like plan my my own itinerary a bit more
1: Mm
2: -hmm.
0: but
1: now that I've like flown multiple times like across time zones and stuff to get back to the UK and things um I've become a lot I think better at understanding how jet lag works with me yeah um and it's not great but um for like my school trip we only adjusted an hour because to go on to like mainland europe you yeah. adjust for an hour yeah. so it wasn't like a big deal for like my group to have like been changing up or anything like that um but we were a little bit more structured like they definitely like had like set things so out of all of the things you would have thought that they would have done with us like Anne Frank's house would have been like I would have thought high up on the list but it is very small the museum um Hmm. but we went to the zoo in Amsterdam which nothing against the zoo it was fine zoo (laughs) um and then we left Amsterdam that was the only thing we did in Amsterdam um Mm -hmm. because it was like a stop off to the place that we were like stayed at because actually the year that I went on this trip was the last year that they did that trip and they had been doing it for decades Mm -hmm. um because this one teacher it it was like his trip that he organized Mm -hmm. and he was retiring Mm -hmm. so and then after that they did a Paris trip Mm -hmm. um where they would go like do a couple things around Paris but they also would go to like Disney Euro Disney Mm -hmm. um so, yeah, I, um, so on our trip, we were there for, like, what's seven days, and we stayed in this, like, tiny little town on the coast, and they had stayed in that hotel for years before, so it was, like, also just, like, all following the traditions and stuff, yeah. um, and of our, like, trips, we went to two water parks and a theme park, so, oh. yeah. We also did go to, like, a cheese place and a clog-making factory and stuff, Um, Mm. but there was a lot of, like, just, like, random, like, we would go to an arcade, like, every other day, and we would go bowling, go to these outdoor trampoline and mini-golf places, like, it was very, very...
0: That doesn't really seem like if you're going to go to Amsterdam, well, I guess, I don't know, maybe it's different for you, because...
1: Yeah, but I also thought, like, I know that I knew what the trip was about, but, like, now looking back, I'm like, I didn't really do anything, like, uh, major culturally. But yeah. anything that they did try and do, like, getting us to, like, watch the guy making clogs or making cheese, I was like, I'm so fucking bored. Um, <laughs> yeah. I don't want to be watching this. But now as an adult, I'm like, oh my god, I would yeah, love to so go cool. to a cheese place. Yeah. Um, Take me there straight away. And, like, I'd love to go to the Netherlands. Um, I really want to do the Heineken experience. Mm. That's, like, top top on the list. Yeah, that would be fun. Um. And take like a boat down the canals in Amsterdam. So yeah, I'd be super pumped to go again. Uh, but it would be a completely different experience as an adult compared to a 12, 13 year old. Yeah,
0: that was the other thing was that like, I obviously wasn't drinking yet. I was mm-hmm. only 16. But like, what's the drinking age in France? Because they let us have like...
1: Oh, it's quite, quite low. I think it's like five or something. What? Um, oh, I'm completely wrong maybe just continue on your conversation i will look this up i feel like i want to say um, 12
0: i feel like it's just in france they they do like they have like glasses of wine at dinner regularly for kids but anyway i don't know i'm maybe i'm just I'm, oh yeah
1: sorry i was way way off um purchase beer and wine from the age of 16 and hard liquor from 18
0: Oh okay yeah that makes sense yeah so, yeah, so we we they let us out, like, one of the nights, they were like, if you would like to order one beer or one glass of wine, you can. Mm-hmm. I didn't, but, like, someone else did, and I just tried a sip of theirs, and I was like, ew, this wine is disgusting. And now I'm just, like, <laughs> now I'm just, like, kicking myself, because I'm like, I bet that was the fucking best wine I've, I I would have ever tasted in my life, and yeah. I thought it was gross when I was 16.
1: Maybe, like, we need to do... <sighs> Like a girl's a cultural trip.
0: Yes, a girls' trip. And you know what? I've always wanted to do like because we had a few different options for like the mm-hmm. trip and like the only reason we picked this one, I actually originally wanted to do the Paris and London one.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: But the reason that everybody voted for this one was because you get one free day, which it wasn't even a free day. We still had to mm-hmm. like hang out with the rest of the group, but we just like didn't have anything planned that day. So it wasn't like you just got. That's really stupid. Yeah, it's not. You didn't. It's not like you got to just be let loose in Barcelona. Like, no, they're not going to do that, obviously. Um, yeah. So there was like Paris and London. Paris, and we always like it was always centered in Paris because it was like my French class that did it.
2: Ah, okay. So there
0: was always Paris. It was always going to be Paris, no matter what but there yep. was all there was another one that was like the like you could do like a tour of the battlefields which mm. i've always kind of wanted to do like i feel like it would be scary but yeah. i bet it would be so interesting um okay first of all i'm going to start off with a dislike which maybe is not great but
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: but i think i feel like it has to be like addressed because so like at, like when I read the description, right? There's like two different parts of the story, and it's like Odile when she was a young woman in Paris, and then yeah. her when she's like old, an older woman living in yeah. Montana. So like that that side of the story mostly focuses more on like the the teenager Lily, um, mm-hmm. meeting her and. Like be basically like they basically become friends. Yeah. Here's my thing. I think they she could have written the book without that part. It does kind of make sense at the end. Like once you realize they they become they kind of become each other's lifelines. Like that's
2: mm-hmm.
0: ultimately in the end. Um. Like Lily's mom ends up passing away. Um. Okay. So she kind like Odile kind of becomes. Like, which also...
1: Like a guardian. Kind kind
0: of. of, Like, she becomes, like, a motherly figure. Like, she's the only... Yeah. Lily's dad ends up marrying somebody else, and she has a stepmom, but, like, she's not that much older. Just to have,
1: like, another maternal figure. Yeah, she's not
0: that much older than Lily. She ends up having two boys with her dad, so she has, like, two half-brothers, so she kind of feels alienated. There's, like, all of these normal, like, adolescent feelings. And also this is the first book in a while that actually made me cry. Oh, wow. I was actually crying. And, like, it was the whole sequence where, like, there's basically an entire chapter where Lily's mom passes away. It it touches on it a bit at the beginning of the book, just that Mm -hmm. she's sick and they don't really know what's wrong with her. And then at one point she does. She passes away, obviously. And Mm -hmm. it's just the whole chapter of, like, her funeral and, like, going through that. Like, it was just so fucking sad and so visceral. And, like, thinking about having to go through losing your mother when you're that young. Like, I can't. I can't. Like, I can't even imagine. So, props to the author for making me cry because that doesn't happen very often. But, like, so, so I did like that side of the story, the Lily side of the story and like the story that is like later on in time i think you could have definitely done the book without it and it still would have been a very impactful book
1: um maybe they could have split the book It had two
0: yeah 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 uh maybe
1: (laughs) okay
0: (laughs) um like it's through...
1: i also know this basing nothing <laughs> yeah, off yeah, yeah. reading like, this other than the description story you gave ends up
0: like coming out because of lily i guess so i like she okay. she does serve a purpose in the story but i just like throughout like all the way up until the end i was just kind of like i didn't really need to have this part of the story like it's a good story still but mm-hmm. i don't feel like it was necessary for like the main, the core of the book Mm -hmm. um but you you do kind of realize why she's there in the end but i think it still could have been like a really impactful book without without the lily storyline okay jumping right in with a quote (laughs) um so i didn't know this but i guess there's an american library in paris yeah i guess so i don't really know why and apparently there's like an american hospital Again, um, why would you need that? But I guess it's a thing. Well, I know that,
1: like, uh, I didn't know um, about there being one in Paris, but um, I know for a long time that um, there was still, like, American troops stationed within Germany for, like, a really long time. Even, like, British troops stationed within Germany. Like, my uncle was stationed there for a few years. Like, after the first World um, war? or No, like, my actual uncle, like um was stationed there like in the 90s oh,
0: oh okay yeah yeah, yeah. so
1: um yeah so like there was there is still like an american base and stuff mm-hmm. within there's like several i think still within they may have withdrawn now i don't really know but it's like not there as like a um i think it's more to do with like nato i think than mm-hmm. like i don't really know why they were there but i'm pretty sure it has something to do with nato yeah um but even there was like canadian forces there for a while too Mm -hmm. um but it is i think fairly common in some regards that there's been like a lot of american troops stationed in random countries Mm -hmm. um but um as for like the Paris library i i know that there's like often some like because like there's like a lot of English language speaking people, and within different countries, so I guess that they would just like.
0: Well, it does like describe, like it does at the end of the book. She she writes like a bit of like an afterword, I guess, kind of mm-hmm. thing, just like explaining like where she got the idea for the book and uh mm-hmm. and stuff, and like where the story comes from. Because obviously, it's 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 fiction, but it's based off this real library, and like there is some characters in the book that are real people okay um but it never really says like why there is a pair like a- an american library in paris it just says that there is one
1: so i don't really Let's know see um give me a very quick description oh um Towards the end of the World War One, when the US entered the conflict, hundreds of American libraries launched a library war scheme, a massive project to send books to troops fighting in Europe. Mm. By the armistice, nearly a million and a half books had been sent across the Atlantic to soldiers. Originally known as the American Library Association Service for the American Expeditionary Force, during World War I, the American Library in Paris was formally incorporated under the laws of the state of Delaware in 1920 with a core collection of those wartime books. Okay. There's, like, a longer explanation than that, but, like... Yeah, they,
0: they the, do talk a bit. a bit about that, actually. I probably just wasn't paying attention enough. But, anyway, so...
1: Interesting, though.
0: Um, so, it starts off... The book starts off with Odile saying... Or she's, she's interviewing for this position at the American Library. Mm-hmm. And she's talking about the reason why she wants this position is because her aunt used to take her to the library mm-hmm. and i'm just gonna um read a bit of a description of her aunt because like this is just like the person that i want to be um as a reader she was an omnivore devouring science math history plays and poetry her bookshelves ran over so her vanity table was the Sorry, nope, that was the wrong inflection. Her bookshelves ran over, so her vanity table was a mixture of pink blush and Dorothy Parker, mascara and Montaigne. Her armoire held Horace and high heels, stockings and Steinbeck. Her love of books and her love for me imbued my being like the amber scent of Shalimar she dabbed behind our ears. Oh. Yeah, so like... She's, like, just this really cool, like, fashionable, but still well-read person. And that's just, like, who who I want to be. I want to be the person who has really beautiful clothes in her closet that are, like, all, there's there's also books in there. Um, yeah,
1: really beautiful clothes in her closet and really beautiful books in her shelves. Yeah,
0: exactly. Um, so I just really like that description of her aunt. Um, but also, that just is, like, the way the book is written. It's mm-hmm. it feels like just a warm hug. Like it feels like <laughs> it feels exactly how you want. Comforting. Yeah, exactly. It's really comforting. But it's a book about World War Two. Mm-hmm. So like for me, I was like, Oh, this is like such a nice, like refreshing, like calming, comforting book. But then in the back of your mind you're always like, Okay, but the other shoes got when the other shoe's yeah, got to drop. that's exactly what I was going to say. Eventually. Because you know yeah. what's going to happen. And that's kind of the hard thing about reading books set in this time is because usually, most of the time, they always start, the books always start before the war starts. So most people are just, like, living their normal lives. And yeah. then all of a sudden, everything is turned upside down. And, like, ha- like being a reader, having that knowledge ahead of time is yeah. so difficult. Yeah. Which-
1: With mine, it starts off after the war, but it goes back and, like, reflects on it all the time. So it's very similar in a lot of ways, but because you, as, like, a reader, like, you know what's happened. But, and as, like, they're talking about stuff, too, they're also reflecting on, like, we didn't know that it was going to be for so long. Like, we were going to be occupied, but, um, Yeah still that kind of same interesting of like the daunting like they were talking like about how they it was gonna be over really quickly and um how naive they were to think that
0: yeah um so and then this doesn't really have this this quote doesn't really have anything to do with the last one but i find it interesting that this was this was i think probably like around when the war was starting so not france hadn't been occupied yet um, okay but i think germany had already invaded poland okay um so also it's important to note that odile's father is the police captain of like a precinct in paris okay um and he's from the beginning, he's really unhappy with her um, getting a job because he's just very very traditional. And he like thinks that she should just be getting married and having babies and cooking food and doing all the shit, right?
1: Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's all that we're here for. Yeah,
0: exactly. So, uh, but she, like... It, it comes out, I think, later on in the book. But she kind mm-hmm. of touches on it at the beginning that she wants... She really wants to be independent. And Odile as a character is very independent. She's very stubborn. She doesn't want anybody to tell her what to do. Um, but it com- Amen to that. <laughs> it comes out early in the book that like she wants to be able to take care of herself. And that's why she wants this job. So it's part of the reason that she wants this job also. Yeah. Because it was such a huge part of her childhood. Um, but it comes out later that her aunt ends up divorcing her uncle because uh what does he do does he beat her or does he have an affair I think he has an affair but like it's also talked about in the book that like everybody has an affair like her dad like it talks about her dad having a mistress and like it's just like a normal thing back then I guess for Parisian men to have mistresses like I don't know
1: I think I the French are maybe a little bit more open to that. That's like a hard note.
0: Yeah. I, for... I know you hate that. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so she divorces him. It's like my
1: one book trope that I'm just yeah. Not here for yeah.
0: <laughs> so she ends up divorcing him because she finds out that he has this mistress. But mm-hmm. because France is so religious, well, I don't know if France as a whole is so religious, but like their family is religious. Her mm-hmm. mom, which is her like Odile's mom, which is her sister disowns her and basically says if you get a divorce you're not you're no longer part of this family and so she basically becomes uh. destitute and the mom won't help her out. Like she doesn't know what happens to her aunt after a certain point because like she contact is completely cut off with her. So okay. because of that she's like I can I can never let that happen to myself. Like I need to be able to take care of myself if I don't have a husband.
1: Yep. Understandable.
0: Um so anyway, so her father is not happy with her having this job to begin with and he's um like after the war breaks out and like stuff is happening he's getting a bit worried about her going into work because as you said the american library like part of what they did was send books to the to troops
2: mm-hmm.
0: and like that they, they were a part of the war effort in that way yeah um so He's saying, like, I don't want you to go. She says, I was needed at the library. I was happy there. I can't. I can't rest. I told my father. Miss Reader says books promote understanding, which is important now more than ever. And I just think that's such an interesting take on the the war because I'm sure people looking in from France, like looking at what was happening in Germany they probably thought it was just as crazy as we think it is, like... I don't know. I don't know what a, what would be a good example, but, like... Mm. Maybe how... Anyway, the point is, they probably think that everybody there is acting crazy. It's such a... positive take, I guess, what I'm trying to say. It, like to think, like, we need to be promoting reading now more than ever because we need to start opening our mind and, like, getting different perspectives.
1: And I think we've talked... Yeah, it's definitely a lot like forward thinking. Yeah. Um...
0: I think we've talked about it before on on other episodes about how, like, we have the opportunity now and there's so many more books now from perspectives that are different than ours. Yeah. From people of color, like, like, gender like all of like lgbtq people like Mm -hmm. there's so many of these different like of these books now that are allowed to be published that we can now we can read from other perspectives and it's so important to have a bit more empathy towards people and to really understand that everybody everybody is living Maybe not similar lives, but everybody has their own unique life just as, just as much as you do. And yeah. it makes them just, like, just as much of a person as you are. Um, so I just think that that was a really cool way to think of books in that time because I guess sometimes it feels like books are thought of as, like, some frivolous like it's a treat for yourself, right? But they can really be powerful yeah. in that way and it's and it's interesting to to see that like this library was so powerful in doing the small thing of being able to give books to people who needed it at a time that was really hard.
1: Yeah, and it's not just even like um like the power of like creativity and learning and stuff comes so deeply from books. But there's such a sense of joy and, like, taking you out from where you currently are. And that's, like, I know when a book has done, like, a really magical job, when I can, like, immerse myself in that world. Yeah. And sometimes you need that, like, escapism, um, whether it comes to you in a different form, like, if you're playing video games mm-hmm. or if you're, like, listening or reading to a book. Like, they all come in different forms, but I do think that, like, storytelling and books definitely have a special place for that because it's just words written down, but the power that those words have to create like magical places is incredible and to tell stories of other people, um Yeah. It's such a like a very special
2: power.
0: Yeah. And I think it's so important to be able to go somewhere else sometimes. Mm-hmm. Like when your own head is Getting messy, and like when there's a lot of stuff going on in the world, like, like we've basically been living in one long world event (laughs) for like two years straight. So
1: being able to have and there's been so sorry there's been so many other things happening at the same time. Like to think that even at the beginning of 2020, we had the Australian fires Mm -hmm. and like the fires in the Amazon, and we were like holy shit this year's off to a crazy start (laughs) yeah and then there was the pandemic blew up like and obviously like within like china and stuff it blew up way earlier in 2020 than it did in other parts of the country and for here like it didn't really affect us until towards like the end like not affecting like affected us by like march but like we didn't really see like a lot of like the deaths and things happen until quite a bit later on, I think. Um, And I'm not saying this to like make light of it at all, but then during like June of 2020, there was, um, it wasn't like the start of black lives matter, but there was a huge Mm -hmm. um, amount of protests and things that were happening that were like needed to be happening. Um, and then you find out about the residential schools, Mm. like all of these unmasked graves, then you go around to winter where there's like an upsurge of cases Um, and then it was like we had this glimmer of hope, people were starting to get vaccinations and all that kind of things and then there's all these different variants start coming into play Um, and then now there's like conflict happening in Ukraine and I know I've missed out many of the things that have happened over those two years but I think we've lived through this like incredible two years mm-hmm. where there has been so much things and it's been so
0: glaring
1: within people yeah. um like just out there in the media um yeah and it's been an emotional turbulent time
2: Ugh.
0: and to have that like especially because we're not able to travel right now well, mm-hmm. I think now it's starting to open up a bit more, but like being able to being able to go to Paris in this book is just like yeah. such a, it's such a treat, I think. And like yeah, I think that's why I love to read so much is that it lets you see the world through somebody else's eyes and it lets you see
2: mm-hmm.
0: see the world differently. Each each book that I've read has given me a different perspective and I think that that's really important and it's really important especially in times where there's a power that you maybe feel is greater than yourself that's trying to get you to see things only one way and i think that that's what she's she's saying is that it's really important for for people to be reading and and seeing things from Mm -hmm. other perspectives so i i just really liked that quote um Moving right along, so this is the first World War Two book that I've read. I think I, th- I feel like I'm pretty confident in saying that where they kind of touch upon the older generation having already been through a terrible once in a lifetime war and then it's happening again
1: mm-hmm. yeah, um like how traumatized like to go through that experience twice I can't, um I can't
0: imagine. I would love to have a book that's like solely because based- like I feel like most of the books you read that are set in this time World War 2 are at least most of the ones I've read are all from like a young person's perspective like I don't know maybe well
1: kids or Yeah, like but it years. doesn't help that like okay, if you were old enough to be like old mm-hmm. during the First World War on the Second World War, you're fairly old. Um but they lost, like, an entire generation yeah. of men, at least. Um, like, was entirely wiped out. So that's where we kind of lose, I suppose, that, like, thread of continuity. Right. Um, 'cause Because we did, like, lose a generation of men within... We
0: can't have that perspective because it's it's
1: gone. Yeah, it's lost. Um, I've never but then you could have... have... Yeah, and, like, it's, like, a common phrase to refer to... Uh or I might be wrong, but I think the First World War is, like, they talk about, like, the lost generation. Mm. Um, because, like, yeah, just, like, a, a entire... group of men within a certain age range were just, like, God. almost wiped out. Yeah. Um. Which is when you hear of, like, certain other books and stuff, and if there's, a, like, somebody within that age range, they either survived and have trauma, mm-hmm. or they were there was something that as to why they weren't called up or they, yeah. like, couldn't serve. Yeah. Um, but you think if you were in your 20s during the First World War, you're in your 40s by the second. Yeah. Um, that's still a significant amount of time. And you're not really at the, like, prime age to be, like, fighting. Yeah. Um, But if you were in your 60s and you're now in your 80s, like there's still a very good chance you're alive. You wouldn't have served in either one of them. But but
0: you're still watching it happen. You'd still be
1: there and still watching it happen and still watching, like, outside of your window being blown to pieces. Mm -hmm. Like,
2: um,
0: yeah, and that's kind of what I mean. It would be interesting to have a book from, like, that perspective. Like an older person Mm -hmm. who saw the First world, World War and then has to go through the Second. Yeah. And, like, Odile's parents. I think her mom was a nurse and her dad was a soldier mm-hmm. and like he's he's a policeman now and it touches a bit because they're like talking about how oh like this hitler guy is getting a little crazy yeah as it always does at the beginning of all of these books um so it's like and they kind of talk about how like it would be horrible to go through what they and they talk about they don't talk about it too much because obviously back then you couldn't talk about how traumatized you were. But, um, I just, I thought like when they were talking about it, I thought it would be such an interesting book to have like, an have it from an, like, like someone who would have been like Odile's parents age, like forties, forties, fifties. yeah And for them to like describe their experience going through the first world war and then like having to go mm-hmm. through it again, essentially. Yeah. Um, and actually well,
1: it would be like interesting, like I know it's probably very difficult to like get pictures that like but um to see how the landscape like physically changed because mm-hmm. if things were being bombed so hard you're never gonna get it back to like the way it looked before. It'd mm-hmm. be really interesting to see actually like and I know that this is like something but like with like Google Maps, yeah like now you can see how like land changes over time. It yeah. would have been really fascinating to like see how the like the like I think it's topography yeah. has changed throughout time from like the devastation that was done. This kind of sounds like a little bit like macabre, but um, it would just be interesting to see yeah. like how it did like physically change the environment.
0: Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, so there is a bit, um, they go a bit more into it with uh, one of Odile's co-workers at the library. He His name is Boris, and he's actually based on a real person. Okay, um, he fled like he's in Paris because he fled the uh, Russian Revolution. Okay, so there's a bit of a quote here. Oh, and also, so for a little bit of context for this one as well, her brother, um her twin brother was very um political. I think he was still in university, like at the start of the book. And he mm-hmm. talks a lot about going to um, rallies, and he's really against—not—not not that he's—he's he's against what Hitler is doing. At least I don't know, like if. Okay. A- anyway, ultimately, he decides he wants to—he—he um, he volunteers mm-hmm. for the army. So I think that's what he's um, kind of talking about, and what like what they're kind of touching on here is how a lot of young men at the time like you were saying at the beginning they were glorifying the war Uh okay um so this is boris talking i was in cadet training when the russian revolution broke out some of us were barely 15 years old but we sneaked away to join the army 15. he explained that he and his comrades thought that shooting a strawberry to smithereens at ten paces made them men and that when he and his best friend planned to steal away, their biggest concern was which uniform would make them appear more dashing. We wondered if we should go on foot or take a horse, go hungry or raid the pantry and risk waking the surly cook. It was easy to enlist, he concluded. Like most children, we could envision no more than a week ahead. That was the way Remy had left home, eager for an adventure, anxious to prove to Papa that he was a man. My captain wasn't much older than me. He ordered us to shoot to kill, but it's hard to kill your fellow countrymen. Boris swallowed. Hard to kill anyone. The stacks were tall, as hallowed as a confessional. He stared at the row of books lined up like soldiers. Across the river from us, there was a lookout. One of theirs, he continued. A fellow Russian. The enemy. I pulled the trigger and grazed his earlobe. His earlobe? Boris shrugged. I was a decent shot. I didn't want to kill the chap, merely warn him away. You did the you did the right thing. He took another book and ran his hand over the cover somberly. Later, my regiment came face to face with his, and that soldier killed my best friend. So, I think that's just, um, I, I, I don't think you get to see that a lot in World War II books, like, people describing how, and people know Everyone knows yeah. at that time how horrible war is. But yet still, it's glorified in in the propaganda to get people to enlist, because they obviously need
1: bodies. They need the bodies, yeah. But, like... It's your duty for your country.
0: Yeah, and, like, all of these super young guys are lying about how old they are in order to get into the army, and then see, like like, seeing these horrible things, if they survive... And getting to the end of it, and like having such horrible trauma that like they can't they can't deal. But like like I just thought the best part was when he was like, we thought that being able to shoot a strawberry made us men. But yeah. like then when you get to the point where you're actually on the battlefield and you're trying to kill people who are from like in this case, because it was the revolution, they were killing people that they that were their countrymen.
1: Yeah. It's a completely different so, thing and you
0: never you're never prepared for that.
1: That kind of reminds me a little bit on one of the episodes I'm pretty sure it's Band of Brothers and mm-hmm. um like obviously they've landed in occupied France and they're traveling through um a town at this point so it's a group of American soldiers and they're on the outskirts of town and one of the guys like starts like Yipping about these, like, German soldiers who were on the side. And the guy's like,
2: Mm.
1: where are you from? And he's like, oh my god, you're American. And he's like, well, I'm a German citizen, but I lived in America. And he grew up, he was born in America, and he lived... And I think this probably wasn't entirely accurate, but they put it in just to, like, Mm -hmm. humanize both Mm -hmm. sides. So... The guy who has been captured, so he's a prisoner of war is sitting on the side of the road in a German uniform, but he was born oh. and grew up in the states. Yeah. Uh, maybe he wasn't born, but he definitely like grew up in the states and turns out he like lived around the corner from this guy because he's like, "Oh, where are you from?" and like they were both from I'll just say Brooklyn mm. um but like they both lived in the same place um and he's like, "What are you doing here?" and he's like, "Oh well, um." I answered the call to fight for my country. Yeah. Um, and then they like share a smoke and whatnot. And then um, she has to... the guy start the American soldier continues along the path and somebody comes along and executes them all. Mm.
0: Yeah, I remember that
1: part. Um, yeah. And like, I don't remember the exact ins and outs, but that's like the basis of it where
2: mm-hmm.
1: these are like um and th- that's something that's really highlighted in the film um joy noel
2: hmm.
1: where they all like um it's based in the uh, first world war where both sides come in um and it's to do with the like football match that was played and they sang christmas carols and played football on no man's land because both sides came out with their trenches and um they were reprimanded severely afterwards um for their actions but they were like sharing chocolate, showing pictures of their family, like they were regular people Um, and I do think that that's slightly different when it does come to the Second World War because there were there was like your everyday like German citizen who was like I presume conscripted in some sort of fashion and there were like more like the SS Mm -hmm. severe Nazi regimes where that's where it's hard to rip the two apart in the Second World War, because yeah. there's less of a clear line yeah. um, mm-hmm. than you find in, like, potentially other conflicts. But I do think that, like, if you set aside that there's almost, like, a third, like, element to this, there's, like, one side, the opposing side, but within the opposing side, there's those people who are maybe more forced into... Yeah fighting for their country rather than fighting for the ideals mm-hmm. of this very hateful person
0: yeah um
1: it's very complicated though. yeah
0: <laughs> yeah definitely you said that you could say that again um da, 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 where was i oh yeah so like on that note i finally i found that this book had a lot of aspects about the war that i don't think it's talked about in a lot of the other books, because so many books are focused on obviously, like one of the greatest tragedies of in human history, which was the genocide of Jewish people in Europe, in Europe. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just found it refreshing to read like a different side of the story because I, I mean, obviously I knew France was occupied, but I don't, I've, I at least I've never read a lot of books that had mm-hmm. to do with that part of the war it's always like i mean like the one that i just read that you gave me the um we were the lucky ones
2: mm-hmm. which
0: is actually set in poland or it starts off in poland and then like it goes across yeah the world. well one of the
1: guys is in paris and then he goes to like brazil mm-hmm. um so there's like a few different perspectives because then somebody ends up in russia at one point right, um... yeah,
0: yeah, yeah yeah and yeah i've read a few like set in poland um I've mm-hmm. read like one that was um actually set in the Netherlands. So the one
1: that I mentioned earlier actually um All the Light They Um They Cannot See it's set in Paris and like in France yeah. um on like a seaside town. Okay. Um and then Sarah's Key is also set in Paris. Okay. Um
0: So I just haven't read them and I'm just talking yeah, on my ass. Yeah. Actually-
1: it's okay um but maybe that's just more where like i've picked up books from to do with the war um but the one in sarah's key it talks about an event that i like didn't even know happened until i read the book um where jewish people were rounded up and put into the velodrome in paris oh really yeah and like Way more people were rounded up and put in there, and they were there for days Mm. before they were then put onto uh, put onto trains and taken out to camps, Mm. and that effort was done by the police force in Paris. To my understanding, um, that was what was done.
0: So I didn't read about that, but like that Mm -hmm. that was one of it was like, and because that's kind of like one of the biggest lot points in the book so kind of Oops. spoiler spoiler <laughs> alert but I mean yeah anyway apparently people knew about this beforehand this is a real thing that happened so I guess it's not a spoiler yeah but um yeah so I, I didn't know and I guess I should have assumed that like there was Jewish people being rounded up the same as it would have been in Germany because technically mm-hmm. it was governed by Germany at the time yeah um, and that's
1: why they, they talk about within here too where you had to go um sorry in my book you had to um at one point they touch upon you had to go and like to the the main office and register yourself yeah. um and there was one guy who he was there like with his like he was a valet to like some lord and then he didn't leave with the lord because he was like I've just unloaded shit tons of wine in that house I'm going there and I'm going to get fucking shit-faced forever. I'm going to become a drunk. So he, like, goes to become a drunk, and then they realize, like, I need to provide documentation that I'm here and who I am. Um, But somebody knew that his mother was Jewish, mm. so they faked and said that he was um the lord himself that he was meant to be the valet for. Um. Mm-hmm,
2: mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, so I, there was a lot of stuff in this book that like I feel like okay, maybe it, after listening to you talk maybe it's, it's talked about in a lot of uh more Well, books I than that's I the
1: only of. thing that's the only time I'd ever heard of what happened like like because the other all the light we kind of see has like nothing I want to say not nothing to do with occupation. It has to do with like being in Paris, but it's n- that being occupied is not like the part main the part of the story whereas like Sarah's key has to do with them being rounded up mm. um that's like a key point in the story
0: yeah yeah well i guess also like Odile and her family aren't jewish it's it's not mm-hmm. it's not from that perspective at all which a lot of them are and mm-hmm. um yeah so um so, and I, I'd i heard it, like, so you mentioned in your book that there was um, one of the main characters was sleep, like, um, involved with a German soldier. And mm-hmm. it talks a lot of this, in this book, about how Parisian women who were sleeping with German soldiers were basically just as bad. They were mm-hmm. traitors, essentially. Yeah, But they would, like, oftentimes they they would be like using them for food and like yes, to get extra it, raf- rations to get extra like to get more money like whatever it is they were they were it was like it was almost like my book s- also
1: talks about that there are people who have written letters within it who say like these people were doing it and they were um just doing it so that they could, like, get nice stockings yep. and they could get, like, more money and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um And there is a few tales where, like, somebody, because they were sleeping with somebody else, they ratted other people out. Yep. So there were, like, sides of the story where, like, it, the people who were sleeping with German soldiers, like, they definitely weren't, the, like, the best people. But then it said that there was other families who... Or other, like, women who would go in and go to these parties that the germans would host and sleep with some of them but they would take so much food that mm-hmm. they would get to eat while they were there but then they would get to take food home with them so they were then feeding their families from the food that they were getting from these parties and yeah. um even just getting other f- food and stuff like that so
2: mm-hmm.
1: i can i there's definitely like two sides to that there were people who were doing it f- as like a
0: it was survival, like like a
1: survival, like a means to an end kind of thing. Some, and there some, were other people right. who were doing it, yeah, more mm-hmm. to like just to gain status, I suppose, status, like, like um, or, or to get forward in the world. Like I don't really know,
0: or continue their way of life, yeah. Because there were so many people who were rat, like ev- like there was rations everywhere. Well, not everywhere, maybe, but like in a lot of the places in Europe. So like things were tight. Yep. You, like you didn't have sugar, you didn't have this, you didn't have that. So like I think it was for some people a way of maintaining their way of life. Um there is a fucking horrifying scene at the end of the book where they're describing so it's after I'm not sure if D Day happened before France, like before the Germans left France. Not sure. Anyway. Point is,
1: um, no, they were still in France and then they were like pushed yeah. out. It, it was because of the landing that they then like yeah. pushed the German occupation out, yeah. Um, because they slowly had to take like parts of the country and then they moved up to like Belgium and right. the Netherlands and like pushed, yeah. Right, right, right. So
0: they're basically the, the German soldiers are on their way out, and then all of these women that were having relationships with German soldiers were left. And there's a scene who it's, it's really hard to read and especially in a book that I felt like was so comforting to read. It was very jarring. But there's a scene like they've like torn this woman's clothes off. She has a baby that I'm assuming is a sh- German soldiers and they're like like holding the baby like by a foot and she's like screaming and crying like trying to get them to stop hurting. The, uh, like it was really really hard to read and like th- the scene cuts away so like it's like um Odile and her friend I think are walking down the street and they see this happening and they basically just keep going and they don't stop and Ugh.
1: they touch on this in Band of Brothers too Um they go into a town and they like liberate the town in the Netherlands mm-hmm. and there's like orange flags everywhere and some people are like On a tank celebrating with people, um, having drinks, kissing the women, like dancing and everything. And then off to the side, there are women who had slept with German soldiers who are getting their heads shaved in public. They are um, being um, verbally abused, probably physically abused as well. Um, and But then the town, I'm pretty sure at the time, they had to like relinquish the town. Um, so it was then occupied again. Like it was just one of those things where they it took them a while to like mm-hmm. fully grain like solid territory there. Um so they were all celebrating to then be occupied again, which is just like one of the most tragic things. Yeah. But that like that scene mm-hmm. it's just such a contradiction between they're screaming and yelling over here, but there's something that's also like kinda horrific happening over here.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's basically exactly this the way that this scene was. Mm -hmm. And it just, like, really brought into light, like, how, like, people on both sides Mm -hmm. can be shitty. You can be
1: ostracized from your community very quickly.
0: Yeah. And, uh, yeah, so that that was a really, that was a bad, that was a bad scene for me to read. Um, And then there's what we were talking about, the French police officers arresting Jewish people, which I feel like there was a lot of them that didn't want to do it, but they also needed a job. They needed money. What little money yeah. that they could get to support their families. Um, and so there... I don't know if you've ever heard this term, but crow letter? Have you heard of this? No. Okay, so I'd never heard one before. Let me see if I can try to find one. Basically, there was... Um, like, French... Like, Parisian citizens writing letters in to rat out their Jewish neighbors and it's just like I like I can't imagine doing that like yeah and it's just it's really it's scary to think that like there was people like that who had nothing to gain like Mm -hmm. you can almost kind of understand well you can't but the soldiers and stuff were like, conscripted and that's like they had orders to do what they were doing but these yes. people of their own volition were and they they knew at that point they knew what was happening to these people maybe they didn't know exactly but they knew that they, people were disappearing and never coming back and it's like mm-hmm. you'd be fine doing that to another human being like
1: so eh. this is where like an element in Sarah's key comes into play where like Other families could then, like, get nicer apartments. Yep.
0: That happened, too. Um, sorry. Yeah. They they stand out pretty...
1: I maybe will spoil the plot for you for that one, but I'm not going to do it on air, because...
0: Okay. (laughs) Afterwards. You can tell me after. Okay. So here's one. Uh. Oh. Mm. Okay, so it wasn't necessarily also just Jewish people. They were also, like, ratting out people in the resistance and stuff like that. hmm
2: uh-huh. oh,
0: This is another good one. Um, so, Paris, 9th of May, 1942, Monsieur l'Inspecteur. I'm writing to inform you that at the American Library, the directress, Clara de Chambrun, née Longworth, writes lies and excuses to keep both the head librarian and caretaker in Paris rather than allowing them to be dispatched to work in the fatherland. Boris works visits the home of Jewish readers. Each evening, he carries away several batches of books. It wouldn't surprise me if he were smuggling obscene books to people. He has no morals and refuses to keep the library's collection pure. He says he took French nationality, but I have my doubts. Do your job. Rid Paris of these foreign degenerates. Ah, And like, so yeah, it wasn't even necessarily just Jewish people. It was just like anyone who was like trying to help and at the library, they were still continuing to um, give books to Jewish readers, even when they weren't like allowed to leave their houses mm-hmm. um. So there's another one. Monsieur Inspector. I'm writing to inform you that the American library houses more enemy aliens than an internment camp. To start with, there's the Ari American, Clara de Chambrun. She spends more time at the library than she does at home like a good wife should. She devotes her days to soliciting funds from fancy social life friends in order to sustain the library. I doubt she declares this revenue. She does not like Germans or Huns, as she calls them, and flouts the regulations. Just because she's a countess doesn't mean that she needn't follow the rules. I believe she smuggles books to Jewish readers. Who knows what else she is up to? She is very evasive. Pay a visit and see for yourself. You'll think she's. You'll see she thinks she's above the law. And a lot of. There's more, but like a lot of the crow letters that she puts in here are tr- like real.
1: So, and this again, people were terrified too. Mm-hmm. So I can understand that some people were just like what can I do right now to potentially secure myself? Um, but not really thinking about the fact that it's other human lives that you're playing with. Yeah. Um, you're not just like playing a game this, you were actually like endangering other people. Um, I think
0: it's so like, I obviously can't, can't say I've never been in a, like a life or death situation like that, but, like you, there's no way it's self-preservation. Your self-preservation kicks in, and you you can't possibly have empathy. You can't think of anybody else because you're just trying to
2: survive. Survive.
0: Yeah. And I'm not saying that that's an excuse, but also I'm just wondering. Ugh, I don't. I want to say what I want to say because it comes comes in later with another quote that I really love, so I don't want to ruin it. But um, okay. Yeah. So I just I didn't know about those, and that is really heartbreaking to think that like I don't think that anybody was gaining anything from those crow letters they were just doing it simply I don't even know I don't I don't know what possibly yeah. could motivate you to do that other than the fact that maybe you have annoying neighbors and you want to get like I don't know um yeah so yeah I talked a little bit about how I felt like it was really comforting but it's always really stressful to read a world war ii book because you always know what's coming okay so i so this is what i was talking about with your book how you're saying mm-hmm. the character is perfect and she yeah. can't really do any wrong i love that in this book odile is like basically the most imperfect character like she and she does things that you're like girl like yeah and just be it's because she's so stubborn and because she she always thinks that she knows the right way or it's just that she gets in her own mindset and she just can't get out of it and it takes a long time for her to get out of it and she sometimes does like there are some times where she makes mistakes and then she realizes that she's made a mistake and she rectifies it
1: see and that's where, like, Juliet, she, like, says that about, oh, I'm just very stubborn and stuff like that. But she also says some really obnoxious shit. So, I just, like, wasn't really here for that. Um, but, like, overall, not a bad person. But, like, she definitely leads somebody on at one point. And, like, <sighs> yeah, there's just a few other things. I'm just like, girl, yeah, you got problems. Um,
0: yeah, so, like, I just really liked... That She makes a lot of mistakes, and, like, a really, like, the biggest one is, like, towards the end of the book. I don't want to spoil it, um, but, and that's, like, basically, it's ultimately why she ends up moving to Montana. Um, okay. But she, she makes all these mistakes. There's a lot of big mistakes that she makes, and there's a lot of smaller mistakes that she makes. And the whole book is basically her trying to, like, reconcile that. And okay. live with the consequences of her actions, and I just yep. I thought that that was so interesting because so many book characters are written in such a way that so that it propels the char- like it propels the story forward, and the character is like the epitome of good or the epitome of perfect. Like there's nothing they they can do that's wrong; everything they do is right. Um, yeah, so I just really like that. Like the story is propelled by her making mistakes and then living with the consequences. I thought that that was just a really interesting way of writing it. Mm-hmm. Um. so I think that's why Lily connects so much with uh, Odile is because they're definitely mirrors of each other and mm-hmm. that's why I kind of thought maybe that the Lily storyline was in it was because they're basically the same person and like Odile has that life experience of being stubborn and pig-headed and now mm-hmm. she has to like, like guide because she has kind of a motherly role for Lily, she has to like guide her through life and she's just like like don't make the same mistakes that I did. Obviously
2: Yeah.
0: It's a completely different world, but like she's like this like this is what happens when you are stubborn. This is what happens yeah. when you can't listen to anybody else's perspective. Mm-hmm. Um so yeah, I I did like that part about the Lily storyline. Uh also, it mentions Saskatchewan.
1: <laughs> and you
0: know how much I love that. Um, yep. So some shit goes down. And um, she meets this guy. This is how she moves to Montana. She meets an American soldier uh, when she she's volunteering at one of the hospitals. And they get to talking. And he's, like, telling her about where he lives in Montana. And she's, like, tell me about it. And he's, like, oh, it's the most beautiful place you'll ever see and Uh she like has a little comment in her head where she's like oh yeah like the all the soldiers from kentucky and saskatchewan always say how beautiful it is there and i'm like what i love that because well i think it's probably like i wonder how the author knew about saskatchewan but i think it was because like montana and saskatchewan are really close together Uh and the author actually grew up in montana it says so I was kind of wondering okay. if the book is, like, autobiographical in any way, but I don't think it is. I think she just, she, the author actually worked at the American Library in Paris. Um, okay. So she just, that's how she knew about it. So she wrote this, like, fictional version of the story. Um. Anyway, I just thought that that was really cool. And she says how beautiful it is, which I agree. It is very beautiful. Um, okay, I've been talking for a really long time. But there's one <laughs> final quote, and I think that part, like, this really sums up a lot of why we like to read books about World mm-hmm. War Two. Um, A friend said she, so this is part of, this is actually not part of the book, this is part of the author's note. A friend mm-hmm. said she believes that in reading stories set in World War II, people like to ask themselves what they would have done. I think a better question to ask is what can we do now to ensure that libraries and learning are accessible to all and that we treat people with dignity and compassion? Yes. So that's what I, like, what I didn't want to like touch on before when we were talking about the Crow letters, but it's just like so many people like to think Oh, I would have been I would have been hiding Jewish people in my basement. I would have been part of the resistance because I like, yep. it's so wrong what happened.
1: But But you literally do not know what you would do in that situation until you're put in that until situation. Until you're in
0: that situation. And there's no way and mm-hmm. like we were saying, like I think it would just come down like you just I think for me, maybe this makes me sound like a horrible person, but like your survival instincts would just kick in and you would yeah. you would not be thinking about anybody but yourself.
1: And I remember um, I think my dad was like telling or we were like listening about some sort of disaster and things like that um, and I was saying like how could people like do something my dad was like you literally never know until you're in that situation Mm -hmm. Um, and he says you can say with all like honesty like oh my god I have first aid I'll be right in there but your body also reacts in some ways that it instinctually just protects Mm -hmm. and that can be your body saying get the hell out of here yeah um so as much as we all as humans want to think that we would do the best for everybody not everybody like their body like can sometimes just like not have that at the time and it's not anything against anybody it's just sometimes that's how your body reacts and
0: yeah yeah and i think like the stories of like like schindler's list and all of these people who were, like, protect, They're, I mean, I'm so thankful that they did that. But I mm-hmm. think that they're anomalies. Yeah. And they're so brave. But, like, they were taking their own life into their hands every single day by mm-hmm. doing that. And I, I think yeah. that that's a lot to ask of people. Like, they shouldn't have had to. And I don't think mm-hmm. a lot of people... I think that's why the crow letters upset me so much is because... That's actively trying to hurt somebody else,
2: mm-hmm. I
0: don't think a lot I don't think a lot of people were actively trying to hurt other people, but I just think, like even the German citizens who said that they didn't know what was going on at the concentration camps that was like up the road from their village, yeah it's it's just like you ha you have to do what you have to do in order to survive, and yeah. Yeah, it's it's horrible to think of, but I I don't think a lot of people would be the Schindlers, and I don't think a lot of people would be doing what like and the the people who are hiding Anne Frank did. Yeah. Um, but that being said, like she says, um, we we shouldn't be thinking about what we would have done. We should be making sure that it never happens again by educating and making sure that everybody has has an opportunity to be educated and has an opportunity to read books and has an opportunity to see things from different perspectives. So yeah. I really like that because I think that's a lot of what I think about when I'm reading World War II novels is like what like, what would it have been like to be in, to be in that situation? Mm-hmm. So I like to think about it that way now is that you just have to educate yourself to make sure that it never happens mm-hmm. again and that you have empathy for your fellow man definitely and that's the paris library and i fucking love this book and i recommend it to everybody like it literally i i didn't expect to love it as much as i did uh-huh. and like there was just so much in it to like the characters were so likable even Odile being an, an imperfect character
1: uh-huh.
0: a lot of imperfect, it's more
1: realistic
0: yeah a lot of imperfect characters and yeah i just really love this book i i will probably recommend it to everybody Mm -hmm.
1: out of five stars
0: five out of five for me
1: five out of five brilliant
0: you you know it yep (laughs) fuck i talked for so long but i think that this was a really good episode well probably because we both liked the book so much yeah (laughs) um so that's i guess probably a good thing it's the timer is now at two hours and 35 minutes
1: Yep. I think this is the longest one we've this ever done. This is the recorded. longest one
0: we've ever done. But there was yeah. a lot to talk about. There's a lot going on. But I really yeah. enjoyed it. I hope you did too.
1: Yep. So the next episode we're doing is the read-along, right? Yes, I believe so. Yep. So the next yep. one we will be doing our little read-along episode where we both read the same book. So we are doing Eleanor Oliphant is completely fine by Gail Honeyman.
0: And you can and you want to read yeah. along so this will be i guess the last chance you'll hear from us before then so if you've read it and you want to give us your thoughts you can email us at dearbearbookclub at gmail.com um you can message us, us on instagram yeah or comment on any of our photos mm-hmm. uh we'd love to hear from you and we'd love to incorporate your thoughts into the episode um
1: yeah. Hope everyone enjoyed this episode. I know it was a fairly sensitive subject, and I hope we didn't hurt anybody's feelings because sometimes it can be very sensitive to talk about war and yes. issues around that. But yeah. Um very important subject and these are yeah. very good books.
0: Yeah, and same thing. If you want to talk about these books, feel free to do to email us or Instagram us. I don't mm-hmm. think that's a word, but anyway, you know what I mean. Um <laughs> yeah and as always thanks for listening if you liked yep. this episode please remember to rate review and subscribe on apple podcast spotify google podcasts um all those places and yeah. we'll see you guys next time yep happy reading happy Bye. Reading. bye